Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Big Sills! 17 days away, man. Happy Monday to you. Hope all had a great weekend. Isn't this like one of the greatest times of the year? You know, I'll tell you what I miss about the Northeast. Wildwood, Jones Beach, Montauk, Block Island. If you got some money, you can go to the Hamptons. Those are great beaches. I mean, California, the beaches, in my opinion, they're, they're, they're good. You can't use them so much in Northern California because it's too cold. But, man, during this Ocean City, Maryland, by the way, man, really, really great beaches. Now, I don't know. I've been told Wildwood doesn't look as good as it used to. I spent a lot of my childhood, Ocean City, Maryland, um, Jones Beach, and Wildwood. Nickel Beer Night, Wildwood. Those were some of the best times, man. You know, you come out of the 4th of July holiday, and we're in the middle of summer. We got the All-Star game coming around. The truly only really great All-Star game is Major League Baseball's All-Star game, okay? Really is, man. I mean, Wildwood fell off. I'm an Ocean City, Maryland guy now. Dude, I saw Jaws there when it first – Hey, hey, Tony, I'm going to tell you how old I am. Big Sills, I'm so old. When I was a kid – Jaws like had its opening premiere and one of the places that it opened was Ocean City, Maryland. Nobody wanted to go into water the next day. They were so afraid what they saw. Dude, that movie to this day was one of the movies that you were like this. You went, am I going into water the next day? And Ocean City's so awesome. Atlantic City's great too. Our friends at Ocean's Casino will watch every single day. We appreciate you guys as well. Hey, the boardwalk is awesome as well. Montauk too rich for my blood, not loaded like big sales. No, no, Quan. No, no, man. Hey, I went up on my aunt's dime, not me. <laughs> hey, hey, dude. I would not me, dude. No, 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 man. Why Montauk? Montauk's got great beaches, though. Really, man. Hey, Mateo, good afternoon, man. Big sales. Hope you had a great weekend. You too, man. I'm in such a good mood. Jawstruck, fear me as a kid. Mateo, me too, man. I mean, dude, that such a great, great Ocean City, Maryland. Dude, did they get gambling on that place? And all up and down the East Coast, those beaches are just going to be over the top. So, hey, I got a question before we get going here. How much money does Howie Roseman have right now, the GM of the Eagles? How much money does he have under the cap? Am I right that the number's like 13 million? I want to throw something out. You know, you know, Big Sills is a big conspiracy guy. Oh, by the way, Gary Cobb 430 and Bobby Valentine at 530 or at 530, right? Neil says around 14 million. All right. So let me throw this out to you. 13.5. Okay, Kev. So 
between 13 and a half and 14 million dollars pretty good number right all right elaine how are you um would you invest in a guy like dalvin cook or deandre hopkins if you're the eagles probably not right but let's do this say the bucks suck can somebody do me a favor here? Tell me what the Buccaneers' first four games are this year. If the Buccaneers suck, they got some good players on that team. Okay? They got some good players. Tell me what the first three or four games are with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. And I, I, don't, I don't think the Buccaneers are going to be very good. I, I, I just don't think they're going to be very good. Vikings loss, Bears win, Eagles lose, Saints lose. So they'll be one and three after that opening month of the season. If you're Jason Light and you're one and three, knowing full well you're not going anywhere, even though the NFC is not packed, and they're not packed with really great teams, then after that you've got Lions, They'll lose that. Falcons, they'll win that. And Bills. So with theory, you could be two and one, two, three, two and five. And you're the Bucks. You're Jason Light. You're in salary cap hell. Would you put up Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Devin White as trade bait for draft picks for the next April draft? Which is scaled to be, I mean, you got Joey Porter in that draft if you're the Bucks. if you want to go back and get a backer. If you're Howie, you're kind of like only $7 million off the number. Do you wait until like the sixth game of the season to see how your linebackers are doing? And if the linebackers are not performing like you – Hope they would. Do you go get Devin White? Do you make a trade? And then you try to renegotiate his contract in the offseason. And you work the Howie Roseman wonders. He's the captain of the team. He's won a Super Bowl. He's a young player. And you could have a linebacker in the middle of your defense for the next decade. Would you go after White? What's White expected to make in 2022? I know he wants to redo his contract. So is Howie waiting for some of these teams that have some pretty good players on them? Because look at the Buccaneers. Why, why are you going to pay Mike Evans that money? The same way Arizona's not going to pay Hopkins the $24 million that was owed to him. They weren't going to do that. He's going to make $20 million this year. Little Rich. Oh, White is due 11.7? Okay, so you bring him in at $11.7 million in 2022. Hoping to renegotiate his contract. In 2023... You bring him in for 11.7. 
Then in 2024, you hope to renegotiate his contract. Dude, $11 million for a guy that could solidify your run defense. Then you're able to put Kobe Dean outside where I think he'd be more effective. White, Dean, now you got something. So if you're the if you're the Eagles, do you wait and see how the Bucks do? Look, I don't think Mike Evans is something on the Eagle radar. I don't think Chris Godwin, but I would make this point to you. Who do you think's got more value right now in the open market? Chris Godwin or DeAndre Hopkins at 31? Who's got more value if you want to make a trade with Tampa Bay? Who who would command a first-round draft choice if you traded with the Bucs right now? Right? Who could get that number? Probably Chris Godwin. So is Howie playing a little cat and mouse here? Is he kind of waiting in the wings here just to see how the Bucs, because the Bucs got a lot of talent. And I don't think they're going to go anywhere with that talent this year. I think they're going to be one of, I think that's a five, six win team at most. Do you start going in and do the Bucs start selling off some of the players to get draft choices to rebuild? And Godwin's 27 years old. Evans is 29. Dude, those two guys have more value, especially Evans, than DeAndre Hopkins does. So if I'm the if I'm the Jets say, I look at Dalvin Cook more than I do DeAndre Hopkins. I, I I look at I look at him more and then during the season, and I'm in a different conference, I go to Tampa Bay and go, how much for Mike Evans? So then you put Mike Evans with the Jets. I think the Bucs are sitting back, waiting to see how this. Because wouldn't you put a hey, wouldn't you wave the white flag immediately if you're Tampa Bay and you're two and five? Wouldn't you? And if you're the Eagles and you see your run defense is not getting it done, you might not have to go for a tackle this time. You go for a linebacker. And you go for Devin White at eleven point seven. Hey, and some would go like this. Sills, okay, you trade for what? Well, if I knew that that could help me win a Super Bowl, wouldn't you have a rental for one year? What would it cost you? I think the Bucks would want a one. But wouldn't the Bucks be desperate? Hey, and for the record, guys, would you give the 30-second pickup for Devin White? Let's not forget something here. You guys are not going to pick in the top 10 picks in the next 10 years. You're going to be 31, 32, 30, 29, 28, somewhere down there. You're not going to have 10 or 11. Okay? We're not talking about Top 15 picks here. We're talking about the 32nd pick or the 31st or 30th pick. Okay? It's a first rounder still, but wouldn't you get the 38? 
to right tone when you give the 30 second pickup for Devin White at 25 years old when you could you, there's nobody you could draft at the 30 second pick that would be better than him put that into context is there anybody that you could pick at 32 31 or 30 that would be better than Devin White no He's worth the pick. Here, take it. And you get a player for the next 10 years. And you don't have to worry about the linebacker conversation ever again. And he helps the Kobe Dean come along. And he helps the two tackles in front of him, knowing where to line up. I'm not saying that Kobe's not going to be a good player here. It's just too much unknown. There's a lot. And we're going to talk uh, position rooms again. We're going to talk safety here in a minute. So to me, I mean, if if you're Howie, you got to kind of look at some of the teams that are in the position right now that want to get out from Capel and are in a rebuild, and look at some of the teams that are in the re. What do they do with Buda Baker in Arizona? Why are you going to negotiate a contract with Buda Baker in in Arizona? Why? What? Why are you going to do that? Devin White is right now in future move. His presence would help develop our entire defense and bring an attitude. So to me, there's a way to look at this. You know how people keep saying how he's not done yet. Well, maybe how he's going to wait and see how this thing, you know, he made in season moves last year. They were free agent moves, but he made in season moves last year. Just saying if hey, would do you not agree with this? If the Buccaneers are willing to trade him and you give the 32nd pick or whatever that pick is going to be, it's going to be a low pick. And I mean, way low down at the back end of the draft in the thirties and the late twenties. And that move helped you win a Super Bowl. Hey, let me ask you this. If Devin White is on that football team, in Arizona, do you win the Super Bowl? If Devin White is on the football team for the Eagles, do you win the Super Bowl? That guy can cover. That guy can cover Kelsey. He has. That guy can cover tight ends, and he's a tackling machine. Okay. Do you think you win the Super Bowl? Tell you what, man. That game would have been a lot interesting because I think the Eagles would have been a lot better against the run. If you got a guy like that in there, it takes away play action a little bit away from Patrick Mahomes. I tell you what, man, that game may have been a one pointer instead of a four point game. Just saying. That guy closes the gap for you even more. A quality guy going against Mahomes and the other teams in the NFC. So I thought about this before we went on the air. Hey, so maybe Howie's not just looking at the rosters right now, but he's looking at teams that are going to be desperate for draft picks once they know the season is out of reach. You know, teams that – like. When, 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 when you, what is Den, hey, 
Denver better get out to a tough start. And they better get out to a great start. See, Arizona's got Buda Baker. The Bucks have some players. Hey, you might want to go in there and raid those teams. Okay? Right? All right. Before we get into our position rooms, I want to take a look at the Dolphins. I believe this is your week six opponent. How many people believe the Dolphins are a contending team to play in the AFC Championship this year? How many people believe this? Some facts I didn't understand and didn't know and realize about the Miami Dolphins this year. It's a pretty good-looking roster here. How many people believe that this team can make it to an, a- an AFC Championship game? If Tua could stay off the stretcher, then yes. That's pretty much the, um, the signature line in this comment. If Tua is healthy. How about this? I think the Dolphins have a better roster than the Jets. Okay? Here's my, here's my take on this. And, and, hey, and for the record, Eagles versus the uh, Dolphins and roster, before I give you my closing take on the Dolphins, I would say this to you. Eagles are better. The quarterback's better. The coach is more involved in the play calling, so he's a, he's a play calling head coach, which means what? He's really not engaged on the defensive side. And would we not say that the structure of the Dolphins is set up the same way? Hey, hey, Tone, is is uh, McDaniel, is that the guy? Did he come from the Rams? Did he come from the Rams, or is that the guy in Minnesota that came from the Rams? Um, but the Dolphins are set up exactly like the Rams are right now. you got a play-calling head coach. He's, he's completely focused on that side of the ball. McDaniel came from the Niners, but I'll be honest, Sills, I'm nervous about those Dolphins receivers. They're outstanding. You're, 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 you're dead on. Okay? I like the head coach. And I'm going to make a comment here that's probably not going to be favorable, but Mike McDaniel was a grade up to Brian Flores. And I don't mean that in any disrespect to Brian Flores because he completely changed the culture around in Miami. But very seldom do you get like a first-year coach that is going to be a guy who can improve it even more. Now, to be fair to Flores, he had less talent, less talented coaches around him, and he had a lot more to dig out from than what McDaniel was doing. So Brian Flores had a tougher putt, a longer putt than what McDaniel had to get this football team um, in the right direction. I think the Dolphins season was, um, it was a complete reflection. It was a complete reflection of the quarterback situation that they had there this past year. McDaniels almost beat the Bills in the wild card with a third string quarterback. He's a heck of a coach. I think, but again, I think Brian Flores is a heck of a coach and I hope he gets another opportunity to be a head football coach. Um, Frank Smith will kind of be like the pseudo OC um, they're in Miami, but everyone knows Mike McDaniel is the play caller. Did you know that Vic Fangio is now the highest paid position coach in the National Football League? Actually, excuse me, I'll take that back. Uh, Vic Fangio is the highest paid defensive coordinator in the National Football League. They had to basically overpay him 
for him. You know, you know, Fangio says that one of the reasons why he didn't go to Philadelphia was because of that whole Gannon thing. It was also over salary because the Dolphins made him the highest paid DC in the National Football League. Okay, so he's the highest paid D coordinator. So it's a half truth. He probably didn't like the way the whole thing was handled. There was some probably some bad blood there at the end in how it was handled. They probably promised him the job. And Gannon was probably waffling back and forth. They never gave Vic Fangio a heads up. Something to that context. I don't know. But obviously, there was a scenario where the Dolphins had to go in and overpay. So the Miami Dolphins and Stephen Ross made Vic Fangio the highest paid defensive coordinator in the National Football League. Um, not that the defense was bad last year. The defense did some good things last year. They were good. They got after the quarterback. They Their corners are good. And now with Ramsey back there, they've got some playmakers on that side of the ball. The Dolphins are an interesting team. They really are. And with Fangio now being brought in, there's going to be complex defensive scenarios where you're going to see multi-coverages, banjo, cover two, umbrella. You're going to see multi-stuff coming out of him. And you're probably going to get a little bit more aggressive when it comes to doing stunts, especially off the perimeter. But here, follow me here. Here's, here's the Dolphins season a year ago. And by the way, this is the Eagles week six opponent. So you start out with three wins, then three straight losses, five straight wins, then five straight losses. This nine and eight season they had was a complete microcosm of how the quarterback situation played itself out this past year. Um, they got no consistency in who was going to be the starter. Teddy Bridgewater, I think, didn't they move off of him? And they got the guy, Mike White, from the Jets, right? He's now the backup quarterback now in Miami. Bridgewater's no longer the guy. I thought Teddy did a pretty good job for them when he came in in substitution. And I thought Bridgewater did a pretty good job. But the key, obviously, is like what you guys said. It's Tua. Tua stays healthy. They can compete with anybody, I think. And as Tone said, they're wide receivers, can frighten any defensive back. How many places have two cornerbacks that can cover? The Jets, Philadelphia, Dallas. There's very few places that have two quality corners, especially in today's National Football League, especially when you're talking AFC because you put a lot of your money on the quarterback in the AFC compared to what you're doing in the NFC. You're not putting a ton of money in a lot of the quarterbacks in the NFC. Um. If Fangio can get that defense in the top 10, the Dolphins can make it to an AFC title game. And, of course, two things. Top 10 defense, and Tua has to be healthy. If Tua's healthy, they'll sign him to a contract extension. I don't know what that'll look like. I don't know if they'll pay him 50. Maybe they pay him something like Daniel Jones. But if Tua could get 10, 11 wins, I don't know 10 wins gets you in the AFC picture when it comes to playoffs. I don't think 10 wins get you there. I think you're going to have to win 11 games to get home. If you win 11 games, 10 games will probably get you home in the NFC. 10 wins is not going to get you home. You could be 10 and 7 in the AFC and not make the playoffs. I think you could have a bunch of teams like that. Okay? G.I. Zoe goes like this. Two is a concussion away from retirement. He's also a concussion away. Oh, how about this, G.I. Zone? 
He's also a non-concussion away from a contract extension. So if you want to put it in that context, you're right, but so am I. If he plays the whole season and doesn't sustain a concussion and they win 11 ball games, he'll get an extension. Toys, appreciate you coming aboard, okay? But he's got to be there. He, he's got to be there if he's going to be a factor. So again, now where do they fit in the AFC East? Are they better than Miami? If two is healthy, are they better than the Jets? Or how about this? Are they better than the Patriots? Yes. I think they're better than the Patriots. Now, Cook and Hopkins can change that room for New England a little. Okay? If one of those players goes to New England, that could change the room for them and make that an even more competitive AFC East. But as I've said before, I think the Patriots are the worst team in the AFC East. Not a horrible team. Between seven and nine wins, I could see that happening. Okay, are the Jets there next or are the Dolphins? I think the Jets, I think the Dolphins are the third best team in the AFC East. Okay, I do. Uh, um, I, 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 I would say this to you. I think it's going to go like this. They're the second best team, I should say. There's four teams. Bills, Dolphins, Jets, Patriots. That's that's who, that's where I see. What type of contract does Tua command knowing his injury history? Short term. How do the Dolphins protect themselves? Um, easy. You give them a three-year contract and you use it against them in negotiations. Here's a three-year contract with two years of guaranteed money up front. And we'll put an incentive in there. If you play... 14-plus games in two years, then there's an automatic kicker in the deal that extends you out three more years, and then you move it up to $45, $55 million. Because you've you've got to put um, a health incentive in there. You've got to. I I don't know how even Tua's people, because even if Tua went on the open market, nobody's going to give Tua Tagovailoa $50 million a year in a five-year contract knowing his history of health. No one. You're not going to do that. You've got to have some protection. Or you do this. No, what? How about this? No signing bonus money. And I'll give you a four year contract with no money that I could be on the hook with. And no one's going to do that. So, you, you, me, I give him a two year contract with a team option on what to do because the team has to have, you don't have. Tua doesn't have leverage right now unless he wins. The only leverage he has in Miami is if he wins. Because if he kind of limps home 9-8 and again, they're going to move off him. Because that's not going to be a good sign. That meant he missed games. He was in and out of the lineup again. And look at the helter-skelter year that the Dolphins had last year. They were too good to be 9-8. and They should have been an even better football team because they were so well coached. I mean, three straight wins, three straight losses. Five straight wins, five straight losses. That's too inconsistent. That's because you can't build your team around a guy who you're not sure of. Okay? I mean, QB needy league, big sales, just takes one desperate general manager. Very true. Quan. very true. Very true. But a guy that could 
and, and, and there's insurance policies. I don't know. But, you know, then you defer the money out. I don't know. Hey, you want to hear something? Hey, Tone, you want to hear a prediction? Guys, I think Kyler Murray's in Miami after this year. I think Arizona sends him to Miami. Okay? Because that's the kind of style of quarterback they want. They couldn't get Lamar. I think they get Kyler Murray down to Miami, and they move off of Tua. And Arizona gets an opportunity at getting one of those quarterbacks coming up again in the draft. If things go to hell in Miami and two is hurt, I could see Kyler Murray in Miami. There's too much talent down there. And you got all that talent down there, and Murray's not going anywhere in Arizona. What are you doing with him in Arizona? Then you got to restructure contracts of Tyree Kill and such, but Dude, I think Kyler Murray, this is his last year in Arizona. I think the Bidwells don't like the deal they gave him. Hey, anytime that you have to put a study hall clause in a guy's contract, you're not solely vested in the game. If I had to come, if I had to put a contract in front of you and I wasn't sure you were going to come to work every day, you're not the guy I want to give a contract to. The least, the least things that I could count on is that you show up and punch your time clock, No. Think about that. Arizona can't even count on Kyler Murray putting his time card in. That's not something you give a guy $46.1 million to. It just doesn't make sense. You gave the guy all the money, and then you put that in his contract that he had to have like a study hall clause in it. You're not even sure he's going to punch his damn work card going to work every day. Not, that's not a sign. Okay, you would have thought the Cardinals gave Murray a damn scholarship with all those study hall clauses. Right. Dude, if you study here and you put four hours of studying here, you get this incentive. Dude, that is so get this. All those incentives that they gave Kyler Murray. There's not a chance any of those clauses are in Jalen Hurts's contract. There is not a chance. There's not a chance any of those clauses are in there when it comes to preparation and off-season conditioning and any of those things that require you to do the things that are expected. Not a chance. Not a chance. I do too, Seals. Collard doesn't look like he's like in Arizona. Yeah, because the organization – by the way, I'm not giving Arizona a pass. It's a shitty organization. All right. So that's my, look, Eagles are better than the Dolphins. The Dolphins, hey, and I've told you this before. If the Eagles were in the AFC, they'd still be the second best team in the NFL. Okay? They'd still be, just because you have shitty teams in the NFC doesn't mean that you're a diminished product. You'd still be the second best team in the league. That's the strength of where you are as a team and a unit. Because watch this. The Dallas Cowboys are probably the third best team in the NFC, right? You know what they would be if they were in the AFC? 10th? 12th? Somewhere down there? 12th? They wouldn't be up there. The Niners? Dude, the Niners are not going to go into a game with Patrick Mahomes. With... Sam Darnold as quarterback and beat them. You're not beating Joe Burrow 
or Lamar Jackson with Sam Darnold. You're not. Okay? I'm not sure you're beating him with Brock Purdy. You're not going into games like that with Sam Darnold. Even with all that talent and beating Buffalo. It's just not happening. Okay? (laughs) That's just not happening. Okay. So... The Eagles, would, the Eagles are a better team and should win this game in week six. All right. We're going to look at position rooms now. And we're going to look at the safety position. Okay. We're going to look at the safety position here. Actually, I haven't thrown a topic out at you yet, Quan. What topic? I didn't ask your opinion on it. I gave you mine. I'm going to look at the safety position here. And tell me what you think. And I went four deep here. First and foremost, how do you look at... How do you look... Quan, it's all good, man. Just busting your stones, guy. (laughs) Hey. How do you look at the safety position going into the 2000? God, what are we now? We're 17 days out from camp. Holy shit. We're two weeks from camp. We're two weeks from camp. Crazy. Great. How do you look at the safety position? What would you say? What grade? What generic grade would you give it? No playmakers at safety. A C grade? No, no, James, it's not as bad as you think. If you notice, I started with the weaknesses in the the position rooms. I went D-tackle, linebacker. We went right up the heart of the defense here. Average, maybe a B, C+. You guys are kind of where I'm at. I don't think B, but I think you're B minus, C plus. That's kind of where I'm at. Okay, here. Let's start with Reed Blankenship. And I want to tell you guys what I did over the weekend. I talked to an NFL scout. Okay, I'll tell you. I talked to Kevin Colbert, who's now a advisor he's an advisor for the Steelers he's no longer the general manager and I asked him to give his assessment and I put my spin on him and so I took what he said about the Eagle safeties and this is what we both came to an agreement you know this Kevin Colbert's been on this program numerous times it's not something we've made up when he was GM of the Steelers, he comes on this program numerous times. So this is kind of what we said about your players. And it was better than I thought. Okay? Read Blankenship. Here's the takeaways that both Kevin Colbert and myself had with him. Um, the dude can play the run. He, he can play the run. He's a formidable tackler. 
if you watch him on tape a little bit, he's a t- he's a tackler. He can hit. Okay, and you know what else too? He's not he's not confused on multiple schemes when you're doing crossing routes in the secondary. Like he here, what that means is Reed Blankenship doesn't really bite on he 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 doesn't bite on the decoy. See, what a lot of teams will do is throw decoys at you. He's pretty smart back there, actually. Okay? He's he's pretty good back there. He's free safety. And he doesn't have false steps. So he kind of... He, he, he's not fooled a lot. That's a key, playing that position. Um, He's not the most athletic guy, though. And his speed is not the best. I would give it average for playing safety. He's not the most athletic guy and he's not the fastest guy. And that's why he can't, he can't bite on false steps and he can't bite on decoy. He's got to be precise and he does. Okay. So he's not the most athletic guy. And again, the speed factor, sometimes he gets caught chasing. Okay? Look, he's not a bad player. If you really, if you put some of the free safeties out there and go, is he bad? You can't say yes, because that's not fair. Okay? Um, And... If I'm not mistaken, Tone, correct me if I'm wrong. This guy wasn't drafted. Reed Blankenship wasn't drafted. Has to be because of the athleticism and probably because he didn't test well at the combines because he didn't have speed and he's not the most athletic guy. He's an undrafted guy, an absolute phenomenal grand slam by Howie having him because that's a, that's a bad move. He can play. He's a, he can play in the NFL. Okay, and he's a starter in the NFL and he was undrafted. Damn good evaluation by Howie. You know, I'll tell you something, TJ Edwards and this guy right here, he's kind of like the TJ Edwards of the safety position. And he's getting better. Give him more reps. Let's see what he does. But he's got to improve his speed. I don't know you can do that. But, you know, he's he's got to work on his athleticism, picking his feet up a little more. But he's not a bad player. You know, if if you listen to the other general managers in the league talk about him, they'll call this a miss, that they missed him because he was undrafted. Anytime you get an undrafted guy starting in your group and you're the second-best team in the National Football League and you're one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl, there's a problem in your recruiting room, especially in a position like this, that people – now, again, you know – is he your traditional safety that's played in Philly? No, but in this scheme that they keep under everything underneath, I don't I don't think he's a detriment back there. That's right, Quan. That's probably he, he's a pro. He's a solid player back there. He's okay. Look, how about this? I am totally okay with him back there. Yeah, he lacks speed, but he's a heady player. Really strong tackler, to say the least. He was fair when he had to 
hold down when CJ was dude. I'm telling you, he's a good player. He's better than I thought. And his reputation around the league is higher than you think. I'll tell you this. The NFL has a higher um, opinion of Reed Blankenship than the media does and the fans in Philly. Okay? Because I had the same opinion you had of him. I totally had the same opinion you had. I was like, well, you know, he's not like, you know, very athletic and he's not fast. And you know what? Um, you know, you know what uh, Kevin Colbert said? He goes, yeah, but those were the same, same things they said about Cam Chancellor when he came out. Said he wasn't very quick, you know, and, but he was a hitter and he was a tackler and he was headsy. I'm not comparing him to the type of player Cam Chancellor was because to me, Cam Chancellor was an awesome player. I think he was a fourth or fifth round draft choice. Carroll got him in the middle rounds. Okay. That was a great sign. A great sign by Seattle. That's another one of the pieces that Pete brought in. That whole legion of boom was built on guys who weren't first-round draft choices. Michael Bennett, Cam Chancellor, all them guys, man, that were brought in. He ended up he ended up fighting in ladder rounds or made trades for. So he's a contact player. And better than I – get this. The evaluation of him is better than I thought. Terrell Edmonds. Strong safety. Kevin Colbert worked with him. That's why we talked to him. Interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting opinion of him in Pittsburgh. The room was split on him, on letting him go. I want to tell you this. I didn't know this until I talked to Kevin. Half the room didn't want him to go. The other half did. And Tomlin left it up to the coaches and personnel people. And by a razor-thin margin, they moved on from him. So it wasn't like this in Pittsburgh. Let's just get the hell away from this guy. And let's get out from under him. I thought it was more that. It wasn't. Okay? It was not. So it was... It, it it was a pretty close call to bring him back. You see, in Pittsburgh, they don't like letting guys go. They they believe in player development. They don't like, you know, when they put all their time and money into a guy, that's not a place that they want to just end up getting rid of you. So Kevin said that it was pretty close on how everybody, how everybody looked at him. Here's Kevin's take on him. Tell me what you think. The kid's athletic. He can run. He might be more athletic than Gardner Johnson. Okay? He might be more. Remember something about Gardner Johnson, though. Gardner Johnson was learning a new position. So the upside to him, and Baird Brooks said this months ago, you might have an upgrade here. I thought it was a dumb take. I don't know if he's wrong now. Kick and run. Fast as hell. Okay. Truly a great athlete. Um, he improved in coverage a little. 
a year ago. The problem that they had with him was he could get lost. He could get lost in crossing routes and he could get lost out there sometimes. And when you're in the AFC and you got so many of those quarterbacks running those, those coverage, those, those, those scheme and they're running crossing routes. You can't get lost out there. So he gets lost in coverage a bit. Um, I would say this, and, and here's something else that Kevin said. When it, with a guy like Edmonds, they used to have a really complex defensive scheme. Like when you came into the huddle, it would be like this. It would be like Buccaneer G, banjo coverage, safety blitz, X stunt with a, with a high low. And sometimes he can't process that. So they simplified it. If, if Sean Desai and he is going to play, don't make it too hard back there. You got a lot of new faces back there. Don't make it. Don't make it. Kevin Colbert was the general manager for 15, 16, maybe 20 years in Pittsburgh. And he's now the consultant in Pittsburgh. Um, don't make it too encumbersome for him. Let him play. Let him play. Okay? Let Edmonds play. If you complicate it, you're going to run into problems with him. Okay? I'm not saying he's dumb. But a guy like that, you got to go let him play. Let him play. You know, sometimes simplifying defenses and simplifying. Like John Gruden's offensive playbook to me is atrocious. Dude, just go out there and make plays. Like, I would never want John Gruden coaching Patrick Mahomes. And Andy Reid knows that. Okay? He was lost like our corners in the Super Bowl. Um, well, here, it, this is a safety position, though. It's easy when you got Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to get lost, especially when you got a D coordinator that's not putting you in a position to win, weapon. Okay? Your D coordinator was out house hunting, and he was out – looking for furniture instead of preparing for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And I don't care what anybody says. I'll put that out there. That guy was house hunting and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes were preparing for the Eagle corners and it showed in the second half. Okay. Um, he can get confused a bit. Now, Terrell Edmonds playing in that position of strong safety. Now, how do I feel about it? Better. Better. Now, again, these guys all have to play as a cohesive unit. Okay? They got to play together here, but he's not hes not going to be the cliff fall that I thought it was going to be from Gardner Johnson. Looking at this room is going to bring us to a topic for Quan here. Okay? Here in a minute. Probably at the top of the hour. I wrote Sidney Brown here. This is what I wrote. And I talked to Lovey Smith about him. Kid's got a shot to be a three-down free safety. Um, quickness gets to the ball. You know, I'll tell you something about that secondary in Illinois. All three of those guys got drafted back there. 
Witherspoon was a hell of a football player, one of my favorite players in the draft. I mean, they got some ball players back there, and they got this kid in the third round, a very premium pick. Got a nose for the ball. Um, a great athlete. Um, somebody told me in the state of Florida, he was a four by 100 champion and was one of the fastest guys in Florida. So he's a track athlete, which means he's got great quickness. Um, and he's, he's a superior athlete. So, I mean, Sidney Brown's got a shot to be a, to be a three down safety back there. Could I see him beating Edmonds? Um, or Blankenship out, there's definitely going to be a three-person rotation that's going to be in that conversation, okay? There's definitely going to be a three-person rotation. Um, so I like – by the way, I liked it. Of all the players that they were they drafted this past season, he's won two along with those first two rounders, first-rounders. First I think could really play an awful lot and be an impact player. I like him a lot. Kayvon Wallace. I think he's solid. He hasn't wowed me. Um, I think he's a good, I think he's going to be needed on special teams. Something like that. But to be in a rotation with those other three, I don't think unless there's injury. So Kayvon Wallace at strong safety. I don't know. I just... Maybe he needs reps, though. <laughs> He's a solid turd. Maybe he needs reps. I don't know. But so far with him, I really haven't seen anything where it makes me go like this. Yeah, uh, he's 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 an in integral part of what they're going to do with safety. So overall, the safety position, I asked Kevin Colbert his opinion. He goes, inexperienced, new faces, don't complicate, new coordinator. There's a lot of blinking lights here, especially at the heart of the defense. And you land here at the safety position. They're talented enough. Okay? They're talented enough. But give them reps. You see, I think they need one really big star player, linebacker or safety. Now, could Brown turn out to be a star player? Yes. Personally, I think the weight of the defense is on Dean. If Dean doesn't show up in the first month of the season, the whole house of cards falls in. He's got to be great because he's the quarterback. It, it would be like Jalen Hurts not playing well. He's got to be. Okay? And, Quan, that's a good – that's why we kind of started it out where Howie was in free agency. Who would help the team out more? Buda Baker or Devin White? Buda's going to command $20 million. Nobody's going to pay a safety $20 million, especially after what we saw in this last free agency market. Nobody. I, I, what, what, what did the kid um, Bates get from Atlanta? What, that's the high end, right? The kid from uh, Cincinnati got a, got a ton of money going down to Atlanta. But the rest of them, I mean, Gardner Johnson, I think he was very shocked at what the market was. And the market wasn't really – nobody's doing a Jamal Adams deal where you're going to pay a safety $20 million. That was a one of. 
How many first-round draft choices, too, did Seattle have to give up to get Jamal Adams from the Jets? Three ones or something like that and pay him 20? That's not going to work, man. Nobody's going to give Baker $20 million. I don't give a shit what you think because that position's not commanding it. Now, do I think Devin White could get $20 million from somebody next year in the open season after free agency, March 17th of 2024? If you gave Roquan Smith that money, I think you could probably give it to him. He's a 25-year-old kid, captain of a Super Bowl defensive football team, and he's good. So could he command that? He probably will command that. Bates got 16. That's probably, in my opinion, Mateo, the high end. But here, ask yourself this. Would Howie spend that kind of money on a safety and linebacker? Probably not. Okay? But if I had to spend my money, I'm not going to spend my money on a safety. I'm going to spend it at corner. And if I could get a linebacker like White at 11.7 for one year and prorate it out for the rest of the year, I mean, hey, I would even make this deal. How about doing it this way, Tone? You go to the Buccaneers and say, you pick up 50% of the contract this year. We'll give you the 32nd pick in the draft. And it'll be contingent on what he does in free agency. And get this, if he goes to free agency, the following year you get a compensation pick from him. Remember, they're protected now for these one-year deals now and compensation picks. You'll probably get a second or third rounder if White goes into free agency. Think of that. You get an if if White becomes a free agent, you you make the move after five weeks into the season. The Bucks are two and five after seven games. You tell the Bucks to pick up like the Quinn deal. You send the first round, thirty second pick. That guy helps you win a Super Bowl. And if you're not able to resign him, you get a second round draft choice from him. You're not going to be high and dry if that guy goes into free agency and signs with somebody else. Okay? You're not. You're not high and dry any longer. You don't lose anything. Get this. So you pick up a second round pick. And you know whose second round pick you pick up? You pick up the Bucks second round pick on a compensation pick on where they finish. So it'll be a high second. That's Think about it, Tone. That second round pick of 25 could actually be a more valuable pick than the 32nd pick in the draft if you give it up for White this year in 11 point. He's worth 11.7 and have the Bucks pick up some of the contract. Give Hey, that's the compensation. You pick up 30% of the contract. We'll give you the 32nd pick. You give us Devin White. You put him right in the middle of your defense, and you go on the rest of the year. See, the Buccaneers, in my opinion, are the team to watch. That's a team that's got like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and other dudes on that ball team. You're probably not going to get rid of the left tackle because those things don't grow on trees. Okay? Draft Trotter next year. Callie, why would you draft Trotter when you could draft a guy who was the captain of a defensive football team that's 25 years old? 
Well, you want to draft Trotter because his dad played there? That's not a reason to draft him. I want sure things. Draft choices are not sure things. Haven't you learned that? Guys who play in the league and young. Like, get this. You know what made that deal with A.J. Brown so preposterous by Tennessee and why it cost that GM his job? You traded a 24-year-old wide receiver away that you didn't utilize in Tennessee properly, and you traded him away for $5 bucks. Not only did he live up to his total potential that he had in Philadelphia that you never delivered, and he's under 25 years old. That's an absurd move. You get rid of wide receivers at 30, not 24. Not 24. You don't give any player away that's got great upside at 24. You just like that, you, that would be like getting rid of Jamar Chase in Cincinnati. Well, you know, Chase is going to cost us a boatload of money, so we're just going to move him now. That, dude, you're trying to acquire great players around Burrow. And that was the rub in Houston when they got rid of Hopkins for Watson. Watson was like, what are we doing here? You're not building a championship football team. Okay? It's not a championship mentality. For some reason, they've changed that now. They've changed that in Houston. And they pushed, but, but remember something. They pushed all their chips in on C.J. Stroud and Willie, Willie Anderson. Yeah, well, they're on rookie contracts. It's cheaper. It's cheaper. Terrible deal, Dan. Highest pick any team ever gets. It's a third rounder. You're right, Paul. Okay? It's a third rounder. Paul, third rounder. Okay? I'll take the third rounder. Better than no rounder. And Paul, so the stuff you have right now at linebacker, it's the most troubling position on your team. And it will affect the guys playing D-tackle if he doesn't perform well. Okay? White is a more impactful player. Devin White would be more impactful. No, I can't say than Devin, than Devin Cook. Okay, Dalvin Cook. He wouldn't be. Dalvin Cook in the Eagle offense would be unstoppable would be completely unstoppable, okay? You, you know, you, Twiz, I would say this. The safety position needs reps. And you're not going to get that in exhibition football. D-tackle needs reps, and the linebackers need reps. So you're here. This is all I'll say about your defense. And we're going to ask a question at the top of the hour. Okay. Um, you feel comfortable not having an exhibition season and playing any of your players in the exhibition games, knowing full well that every one of those positions that we went over the last three days, Thursday, Friday, and today, totally needs reps. You feel comfortable with no reps and walking around with helmets and shorts that when you line up against New England, you're going to be ready to go. Not practicing game tempo, even nothing. You think you're going to be with controlled scrimmages. You see, the difference that you had last year 
your linebacker position had Kaiser White who played in the NFL, had TJ Edwards who played in the NFL, had Gardner Johnson who played in the NFL, had Epps who played in the NFL, had Javon Hardgrave who played in the NFL, had Adamic Sue who played in the NFL, had Linville Joseph who played in the NFL. You don't have that affordability this year. You, you, you don't. Jalen Carter never played a snap. Jordan Davis, limited snaps. Nicobe Dean, limited snaps. Sidney Brown, no snaps. Reed Blankenship, kind of up and down. Not a horrible player. See, Ben goes so. He doesn't think experience matters. He just thinks you can plug and play. Just put a dude in and he'll go line him up. And You guys tried that with your superstar team back in, what was it, 2012 was it, Tone? Your all-star team? Last year it worked. So you're one, you're one for one. You're one for one. The, the, um, the Vince Young team, that team, it failed. Last year's team was a grand slam. Complete grand slam. I have faith in Sean Desai. Well, again, of course you have blind faith. You have to, because that's all you're going on is blind faith. You have no facts. <clears throat> it's blind faith. Absolutely. It's okay. It's okay to have positive mental attitudes towards people that you think deserve an opportunity to be in this position. There's a reason that Sean, by the way, it's not a rip. Sean Desai has deserved an opportunity to be put in this position, and I hear nothing but great things about him. I actually like to hire. Pete Carroll raved about him. He's insightful. He understands defensive schemes and coverages. I have no problem with it. Okay? Matt, I, hey, you should have your faith. So Quan gets his topic at the top of the hour. We come back out of the timeout here. And we'll hit on it. Hit the like button. Gary Cobb, bottom of the hour, 430 Eastern. Don't forget Bobby Valentine in the third hour, 530. Please hit the like button. Hour two, keep it here on the National Football Show. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Big Sales National Football Show So Larry Nasser was stabbed in prison multiple times and I'm supposed to care Uh, bad things happen to bad people, guy. I'm surprised certain networks aren't rushing to this guy's defense. He's got rights too. Hmm. What rights did those gymnast girls have? 12 years old, 11 years old. I'm supposed to feel sorry for a guy who molested children. Bad people, man. Deserve bad things happen to them. And, and ending people's dreams like that or polluting them. I don't know what you expect from me. Somebody asked me, isn't that sad? I'm like, sad for what? You mean the girls? They have to relive that? Guy's an animal. Justice. I say justice. I say justice. All right. I, I you know, I, I am on these panels. I'm on these panels for uh, Hall of Fame. How many people think Andrew Luck's a Hall of Famer? Uh, But by the way, I do not. How many think he's a Hall of Famer, Andrew Luck? Got an eagle topic here in a second. How many people think Andrew Luck is a Hall of Famer? Was he the best player at his position in the NFL at any time? This guy played in the era of Brady and Russell Wilson and Peyton Manning, and Drew Brees. Was he better than those guys? Ben Roethlisberger? Eli? Was Luck better than Eli? I mean... Luck is not a Hall of Famer at all. They're actually debating that. Here, you know my dislike for Donovan McNabb? McNabb's a better quarterback than him. I didn't say better talent. McNabb, McNabb's, McNabb's better than Andrew Luck. He's better. Played longer. Was in more championship games. Got to the Super Bowl. He's had a better career. They're debating that. Is Andrew Luck a Hall of Famer? And I'm like, I heard Colin Coward debating that. 
And if you're debating that, you first have to start with McNabb because McNabb is in that land of I'm kind of there, but not really. You know, McNabb is more of a Hall of Famer than, than what Andrew Luck is. And I, and if you're giving me those two guys, I would go like this. I don't think that's close, actually. Okay? That's right. Talent alone doesn't get you into the Hall of Fame. Talent alone doesn't also put you as a distinction of being the best player at your position. Brady's not the greatest athlete or the greatest passer of the football in the history of the NFL. But he's the most winningest quarterback, and he is the most accomplished quarterback. And to me, that's what makes you legendary. It's not your athleticism. It's your accomplishments. Athleticism is overrated. Accomplishments are who you are. Your athleticism are what you could be. How many players don't live up to the athleticism? Tons. I see it all the time, and so do you. How many times do you guys say this to me about Jordan Davis? How can a guy 478, 348 pounds, not have more production? Well, you answer your own question by who you are. Your resume is what you do. You see, the beautiful thing about sports, you can't be any more than what your accomplishments are. That's what it, you are. You can't move the goalpost. You can't talk about infamous elections being fixed or games being fixed because that's the thing that aggravates people about sports takes. You know why? You can move the room on a politician. You can't move the room on an athlete. It's what he is. His numbers dictate who he is. His resume dictates it, not his athleticism. That's why with Brady, people go, is Aaron Rodgers better? Yeah. Is Steve Young a better athlete? Yeah. How come Brady's better? He's more accomplished. That's why we say this with Jalen. Josh Allen is a greater athlete than Jalen Hurts. But who will have a better career at the end of the day? You have to be determined. I would say this to you. Who's had a better start to their career, Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts? I can't believe I'm even thinking about it. Probably Jalen. Neil goes defined by what? Your resume. You're defined by your resume. It's I'm not defining it by my opinion. I'm defining it by what you've done. I'm not hollering at you too, Neil. Okay. I, I define people who and what they accomplish. That's who you are. Most of the time, people forecast what they hope they'll see. I don't do that. 
This is who Jalen Hurts is on July 10th. He's trending up. But I'm with everybody else, unlike some of your homers in Philly. He's he's trending. He's showing signs of being a dominant player in the league, but he's not an elite guy yet because he's only been in the league for such a short period of time. And some of you take that as an insult. That's not an insult. That's what the resume says. It's not an insult. It's who he is. Which means this. There's just not a large sample size on him yet. That's all. That's not bad or good or anything. It's where you are right now in your career. No one's throwing shade here. Some people take that as shade because what they want to do is they want to crown somebody before their resume says it's time to crown them. It's not time to crown them yet. Like it's not time to crown Josh Allen or, or Justin Herbert. Now, Lamar Jackson, as I've said before, and I'll continue to say this, he's more accomplished, but there's more of a sample size for him. There's just more of a sample size. It's okay. 2023, as we've said in the past, is going to really tell us a lot here. I get two more two more questions here before we get to um, the Eagle topic here. You think Belichick gets the 31 wins in the all-time regular season coaching number that Don Shula holds? I think it's like 340-something. You think he gets the 31 wins? That 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 Patriot team this year be lucky to win seven games. Seven games next year. That's 21. He's still 10 wins away. That's four years minimum. Four into the fourth year. They haven't won a playoff game in four years. Think of that. Four years the Patriots haven't won a playoff game. So you're going to go another four years? You're going to go a full decade not winning a playoff game so Belichick could get 31 wins? Boy, man, that's got to eventually sit there with Bob Kraft and go, you know, how important is that number? Has Bill done enough here for me to have a full 10 years almost of losing. That's a tough one. Look, they ran Jimmy Jimmy Johnson, ran Tom Landry out. Jimmy Johnson ran Don Shula out. All these great coaches got ushered out and were unceremoniously fired. Usually doesn't end well for those really great coaches. You don't get to call your shot. Eh, I'm calling it a career. Most of the time, you get the all-time winningest coach in NFL history. Don Shula was forced into retirement by Wayne Huizinga. Okay? Got forced into retirement. Jerry Jones forced Tom Landry into retirement. So when you say, I mean, not everybody's George Hallis who owns the team. Just saying here, 
31 wins, four more years of losing. If Mac Jones doesn't put 10 wins up this year, there's not a chance in hell. I think the Patriots sit around for the next four years waiting for Bill to win seven games a year so he can get 31 more wins. That's not how Robert Kraft runs that organization. And that's when I see Mike Vrabel taking over. Mike Vrabel will be the coach in New England, in my opinion, one day. I think that thing's running out of gas. It's okay, though. Well, hey, hey, Bill, you know what's crazy about this? His ego is keeping him in this, isn't it? He's 71 years old. Don't you say this eventually? Bill, why? I know you love it, but why? This is your ego. What do they say about people that stay too long? In the end, you'll be reviled. In the end, you become the villain. That's kind of what's happening here. He's staying too long. Dude, Seinfeld said it great, you know? He could have got $150 million for one year, they said, from Grant Tanker or from um, Littlefield or somebody at NBC. They offered him millions. and He goes, you know, I always wanted the audience wanting just a little bit more. And that's why those reruns are so great in syndication and why he makes $110 million now a year. You got, he, he, sometimes you just got to get out. Either you die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain. That's exactly right. I mean, what's he doing? What's the point? What do you have really that's left? Bill, do you think winning? Hey, that's like me doing this to you on Tiger. Do you really need to be told that Tiger's the greatest golfer and meant the most in the world of golf and that he was a better player than Jack? Fields are deeper. Courses are harder. I'm not taking anything away from Jack. 19 second-place finishes in majors. 18 major champions, two United States amateurs. I get it. Fields deeper, better golfers, better equipment, longer courses. Look what Tiger did for TV. He put golf like Arnold on the main set. I mean, Tiger Woods on a Sunday versus a baseball, basketball, or any other sport is going to get annihilated. Tiger Woods is the needle. Okay? Carl goes didn't win as many majors. That's like trying to tell me you think Bill Russell's a better basketball player than Michael Jordan because he's got 11 titles. I would never say that. I would never say Bill Russell was a better hoop player than Michael Jordan. I wouldn't. Okay? I, I wouldn't. I actually never thought he was better than Wilt. You, you, you're not better than someone who averages 31 points a game and 25 rebounds a game. And for one season for 82 games, averages 50 points and 25 rebounds. You're not better than that. You, you know what's crazy about Wilt? You know, hey, hey, Tone, you know what's crazy about when people bring up the greatest hoop player of all time, they never bring up Wilt. You know why? Because his numbers were so preposterous and so insane that you just kind of exclude him like you talk about Gretzky. You just kind of exclude him. Well, that, you know, everyone else was okay to, to compare, but not Will. 
How do you average 50 points a game for 82 games? Oh, and 25 boards a night. How do you do that? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was, it's, it, it's not close. Now, if you want to make the comparison between Wilt and Jabbar, okay. I'm more down with that. But not there, man. No way. All right. I, I, I'm going to ask our friend, Gary Cobb, and we've been, we've been going down. You know what? I'm going to ask him the question that I was going to ask all you guys first. Let's bring Gary Cobb in now. And watch 29. I want to get Gary's thoughts here. We're going to go over the position room of safety here in a second. And I also want to go over my theory about how he's doing some shopping during the regular season. Mm-hmm. But I was going to ask this question, and I'll ask you first, Gary. Do you think the Eagles have the ability or the chance to be better than they were a year ago? Uh, yeah, well, I think, you know, offensively, of course, they're going to be playing together, this whole group playing together again. So I definitely think the offense has room to be even better, which is amazing to say. Um, I think that they the offense is the the strength of the team uh, because they had the, the less losses. I mean, they, they lost, you know, of course, Miles Sanders is not there, but, you know, you see who they replace him with. And they have a chance to be better as a collective group uh, than they were last year. So offensively, I think that they'll be further ahead. Uh, you know, they, they um, really got used to each other and everything. Defensively is the question mark because, you know, um, the two places which I look at the linebackers and the safeties, you know, that's where uh, these guys have got to show that, you know, they can be, you know, outstanding players. And so that's where I'm going to be looking. That's where I think everybody's going to be looking at. And I, I could see right now, Now I'll tell you at the camp, this kid Christian Ellis was out there making plays. Now he's probably, you know, start maybe as a backup to Nicholas Moreau, uh, the kid from Chicago, but you know, Christian Ellis right away, I'm telling you, the kid was, he, you know, he's picking off the ball. He flashed. Yeah, yes. Yes, he did. Huh, and Gary, he was making plays. I, that's that's fabulous to hear. Now, mm-hmm. speaking of the linebacker position, I threw this out. The Eagles are around $14 million under the salary cap, and I, I opened the show with this. You know, because you and I both agree that Howie's going to make some type of move, but let's go here. Mm-hmm. Say the Buccaneers get out to a 2-5 and five start. They got a pretty tough start there. And all of a sudden you realize you're not going anywhere. You're already in salary cap hell. You've got Mike Evans out there. You've got Chris Godwin and you've got Devin White at $11.7 million right now. Will he command 20? That's to be debated next year. Yeah. So maybe how he sits back with that $14 million, Gary, and we're not going to be picking in the top 10. You're mm-hmm. going to be picking at 32, 31, 30, 29, 28. That's what you're projecting. Yes. So for me, don't you sit back if the Bucks are two and five, maybe at the halfway point, and your run defense is not doing what you need, and you go like this to Jason Light, the GM of the Bucks. Tell you what, I'll give you the 32nd pick in the draft coming up in 2024. And, and pay you know, a percentage this of this is salary. how we strength. 
this is how he strength right there. Uh, he, he, you know, I'm, and I know, imagine uh, GMs around the league are probably saying, I want to, you know, I, I feel comfortable doing business with the guy, but it seems like everybody that does his business with him comes out and they've got fleece, but they don't realize it till after, you know, it's it, the deal has been done, but uh, he's, he's done a great job of, of getting people. I mean, look, uh, AJ Brown, how do you get AJ Brown at 25 years old? He's already been a pro bowl of two or three years and the team is letting him go. What do you, you know, so he's going to see if he can do that. And, um, you know, white down there, uh, you know, you know, he's, he's already shown he's a big time player. He's 25. Big, that's right. In big games, he's the same type of guy. So somewhere or another, it, it, you know, he get a hold of somebody like that who wants to be in the spotlight. Of course, you know, um, He's very comfortable in the spotlight, making plays. He's a big play guy, and he's the kind of guy that you need now because he's a linebacker that's got tremendous speed. He could run with the the um, uh, you know tight ends and, and the backs and all that, but he can even run with a wide receiver uh, for a while, and, you know, till he gets help. He's got that kind of speed. He's a heck of a ball player, and yeah. I would think if the Bucks, especially if they get out. And on a bad note here, I mean, it would I mean, make Evans, sense you're not going to pay a guy $20 million just to stay in Tampa to win five ball games. That's I mean, right. so maybe Howie sits back and like you said, maybe this goes into the season and especially with the week NFC, maybe you can weather it. And then you see a team that becomes desperate because like you said, Gary, this is what this guy's strength is, is making yes. these type of deals like this to improve your football team. And, I wouldn't have a pro- I wouldn't have a problem going like this. Here's a 30 second pick for a guy that can help me win the Super Bowl, and then we'll worry about doing a contract March of 2024. That's right. That's right. I mean, that's the kind of thing you do, and um, you know, you, you you're going to get into the ear of that GM. You're talking to you know his agent and everything. It, it's a deal that he he wants to be playing in front of the nation. I mean. Tampa Bay starts out slow. They're not going to be on the tube. Nobody's nobody care what's going on. And he, he's like, um, you know, uh, he's in the darkness. And he definitely wants to be shining with the bright lights on him and everything. So, you know, he would like to come here. So the and the Bucs are going to want to get picks. Yeah, and they're going to want – they want picks because it's – you know, they're, they're, uh, their time is not now. Their time is in the future. That's so right. So they're just thinking picks. It's, it's, it really fits th- them – more than a guy that could play right now that's just going to be wasted. His talent is wasted. And think of this, Gary. Yeah. Even if he moves on, then the following year in 2025, you get a third-round comp pick if he goes into free agency. Mm-hmm. So you really don't lose anything in the process, and you gain a great player for a championship run. Correct. I talked about the safety room um, in the first hour, and I want to throw these at you here. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked to Kevin Colbert. And I asked him what – he's the former general manager of the Steelers. And I asked him what he thought of Reed Blankenship, and this is what he said. Um, he can play the run. He's a hitter. Yeah. He doesn't get fooled in the secondary too much when it comes to disguised coverages. He's got a nose for the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a technically sound tackler. The only problem and why he probably didn't get drafted mm-hmm. is because he's not the most athletic guy. And he's not the fastest guy. Is that a fair evaluation? I mean, 
That's not a horrible one because he doesn't bite on he doesn't bite on decoys. He doesn't make false steps back there. Sounds to me like a solid guy that just needs reps. Well, uh, you know, uh, he he really did a good job last year. You know, um, uh, Dustin Gardner Johnson got hurt. Yeah, and so he stepped in there, and um, he 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 does. He's, he's, he's fundamentally sound. Um, you know, he's he's not a burner, uh, but you know, safeties like that have, have have done well in the league because they know they've got to put in the work. That means they got to know when the formation is. What do they do out of this formation? What is this team going to be doing? They can't just be playing on athletic ability. And really, in, in the NFL, you, you're not supposed to be out there just playing on athletic ability because uh, over time, you know, it's going to cost you. You got to do your homework. And here's a kid. He knows he's got to do his homework. He's got to know what do these guys like doing? Uh, when do they like to do it? Um, you got to have a good idea about what they're doing route-wise and everything. Uh, but – he showed us last year that I think he showed that he's capable of playing on this level. He's, he's capable of being a very solid and he's going to take advantage of things and come down with some big plays for you, you know, because he got his hands on the ball. I mean, I got to admit, it, he came with a pick. I guess it was against Rodgers. I think it was Aaron, Aaron yeah. Rodgers. He, he, got a, he got a pick and, you know, so um, he does a great job with, I think, with disguising. You know, he knows how important it is that the, these quarterbacks are reading what they're doing because – most of the time, they're reading those safeties. That's what they're, they're, they're trying to figure out where that coverage is. And so if you cannot – you can disguise long enough, you're going to make everybody better because – He's a pretty headsy player. Yes, he is. That, that's his strength. That's his strength because he's had to do that. He had to, had to have the blazing speed and everything. So I think um, I think he's going to be fine. You know, I, I think if anything, I expect him to be a big plus for the Birds this year to where they, they're uh, you know pleasantly surprised to see – how well he plays, you know. How about so. this one here? Get this, and I think you're going to feel better about uh, Terrell Edmonds because before Kevin Colbert uh, stepped down as general manager, he was the GM all the way up until the draft, and they mm-hmm. had to decide on Edmonds. And he said the room was split, coaches and personnel-wise, on whether or not to bring him back. So it wasn't like this. Hey, let's just get rid of the kid because you know people in Pittsburgh, they like player development. Yes. And they want you to get two and three contracts in Pittsburgh because they don't believe in spending money and coaching and then letting you go. That's not what they do there. There's a, there's a culture yeah. there. They do this is what he said people. about him. Uh-huh. It's as athletic as ever, can run. Um, improved a little bit, and this is where they kind of – a lot of the room lost him a little bit, was that his, his ability to get better in coverage wasn't coming along where he can get lost. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Sometimes in coverage back there, and he can mm-hmm. get lost. And he also said this: Don't make your defense too complex because if it's too wordy, he kind of gets a little bit lost. Also, in that, you know, you want to simplify it, so they simplified the secondary, uh-huh. and that's another reason why they kind of moved on. But 
He said he's a heck of a ball player. So if you're able to use him right, and you know, Gary, I learned this about Hassan Reddick. Yeah. You know, the 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 defenses in Arizona and Carolina had a lot of words in it, and that was a real complex. Mm-hmm. Well, when they simplified it in Philly, yeah. and they got those two DTs, Reddick took off. So maybe that's how they see Terrell Edmonds here. Uh-huh. And he could be kind of like, because you know what? To me, he looks like a, a, a strong safety version of TJ Edwards kind of in a way. Well, you know, that's what we're going to find out. And it's going to be interesting to see how to utilize him. Now, the other thing is, you know, uh, I know we're talking about, you know, uh, Blankenship and, and Edmonds and everything. But, you know, the, the kid Sidney Brown, you know, that they drafted. We're going to see what he does, whether he pushes these guys, because, you know, he he's uh, he's got he might have more athletic ability than them. You know, he might be it might have, uh, you know, the speed and, and and size and everything. But I'm going to be interested to see how does the defensive coordinator, you know, how does he integrate these guys? You know, are they going to come out, and show everybody everything in the book or is he going to come out and gradually work these guys into the where he's making it simple and everything. So it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. Uh, and, of course, they're going to be, you know, doing what Nick Sirianni wants them to do, which is not give up big plays, and we'll see, you know, how aggressive they are, you know, because, um, you know, they, they got a pass rush up there, but we're, we're going to see whether they go after people some with some blitzes. I I, I had a conversation with Lovey Smith um, over the weekend about Sidney Brown. I'll tell you one thing about that Illinois secondary. Almost every one of those guys was drafted in the top three rounds. I mean, yeah. he he got some players there for the new coach that's down there now. And I'll tell you what, um, he said this about him. He's got a shot to be a three-down safety. Um, he's got amazing quickness. He's got a nose for the ball. And I didn't realize this, but he was a four-by-100 kid in the state of Florida. And he was a state champion in the four by 100. So you're talking about a kid who's like you were saying, yeah. you know, he's quick twitch. Yeah. He's an athlete. That's right. Well, um, you know, he's, he's got a he just needs brother. reps, right? That's right. He, he's got that kind of speed in, in the seat. How fast does he come along? See, because he's, he's going to be pushing and, and, uh, and, and putting some things on there to where they're going to say, well, you know, we got to let him on the field, you know? So, and you got, he's got a chance to get in there on dime and, you know, all these different things. So will they use him in a specified way? You know, uh, will they use him to where they figure where he's got to get in? If we, if we got to have one of these guys play man to man, we want him playing man to man on that, on that fourth uh, wide out or something, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out and how they, how they utilize him. And, and, you know, here uh, in Philly, they're going to be talking that it's going to be a lot of yapping. So if anybody has a good game, you know, they're going to be talking about how they played or if they have a bad game, you know, the pressure is going to be on there back in that defensive secondary. That's Here, probably where there's going to be a lot of people looking and at the linebacker position. What do you going think to be a lot of talk. is a bigger question mark? The personnel on defense or the coordinator on defense? I probably would say uh, the coordinator uh, initially, everybody's going to be looking at him because whatever they do, they're saying, well, this is a place where we made a change, you know. So, so the pressure is going to be on him early, I think. Um, as as the season goes along, uh, then they'll get more chance to look at the the linebackers and the safeties because that's where they've made the changes. They didn't make changes really 
uh, there are major changes anywhere else. It's at the linebacker position and at the safety position. And they really run the show. Those are the guys that run the show on defense. You think they're going to be aggressive or, or do you think they're going to wait and see what they have here? I mean, I mean, because you just don't get a read. By the way, I yeah. found this out last night. You know, Vic Fangio is now the highest paid defensive coordinator in the National Football League. Is that and so? The Dolphins had to do that. I know, I know Vic said that, um, you know, it all came down again in that whole fiasco, but Stephen Ross overpaid or paid more money to get him down there mm-hmm. because he was probably going to sign on with Philadelphia. And yeah. this, now, if you're feeling this, this now leads me to believe this is why they brought Patricia in because Desai was the second choice. Do you do you agree that Sean Desai was the second choice and coordinator now, knowing full well that that Vic Fangio, the Dolphins overpaid to get him, and they brought Matt Patricia in. So, Gary, it kind of looks like are they sold one? You think the Eagles are one hundred percent sold on Sean Desai? Uh, I, I think I agree with what you said about the fact that that he, he might have been the second choice. See, I, I agree with you there. And um, uh, with the fact that, you know, Fangio was he was he was involved with already involved with what they were doing. So that's not really a stretch to see that. Um, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, and he's got pressure on him. There's no, there's no doubt about it. He got to know that he he's got to deliver because, you know, I I think that um, they expect big things. You know, this is this team is not expecting to, you know, just fade away. Uh, they expect to be in the dance. I think they expect to be going back. I really two do. last questions for you. Yeah. What's Brian Johnson's number one job this year as offensive coordinator with the Eagles? I, I think the big thing that uh, he's got to do is, um, you know, you, you want to spread the ball around. You got to, you know, get everybody involved. I think that's that's the major thing is try to keep everybody happy. But uh, he's going to be on the attack right away. They're, you know, they go after people. They're going to be playing. And this way uh, Nick Suriani likes to play. We're jumping out to a lead, and, and then we're going to run the ball later on and uh, – but we're jumping out. We're coming out. We're going to attack you before you even get off the bus. That's that's the way he likes to play. So they're going to be throwing the ball. They got all these weapons. So it's a matter of him keeping everybody happy. That's going to be the thing because, you know, these guys going, these guys want the ball. You know, last year, you know, um, A.J. Brown, you know, he, you know, you can see he's capable of saying, hey, man, you guys forget I'm here. I want the ball. So. That's where he's got to keep everybody happy. That's going to be the challenge. Last question for you here. Um, Dak just had a birthday the other day. You think Dak's the answer in Dallas, or do you think he's the problem in Dallas? You know, I um, I think Dak is. You know, he's uh, especially when he came on when he early early he got when he got there early in his career and everything, and he was a surprise. But I think he's been a disappointment. You know, he hasn't been able to take them up to the next level. So, you know, he's been a disappointment, and I think he's circled right now. And if he doesn't have a big year, I don't think he's going to be there next year. I'll tell you that right away. I'm not paying $50 million for two playoff wins. You're two and four, dude. No way. Especially, uh, uh, you know, as I said before, he had been the problem. He was the reason they've lost in the playoffs. He hasn't played well. So this is a big year for him. 
a lot of pressure on uh, on Dak down there. Absolutely, Gary. It, hey, we're seven. Hey, so seventeen days away from training camp. What were you thinking right now? Hey, I have my behind out running. That's what I'm doing, <laughs> I'm running, man. I'm up and running. You know, because uh, you know the little lady be saying, "What are you, what are you doing? What are you?" What are you? Hey. They're going to be running us. <laughs> I got to be able to run all day. So I'd be getting up in the morning, get, get my running in, man. Because, you know, you go in there and you, you uh, your legs feel good and everything. And everything else works out. Hey, you know what? May, may I have permission? <laughs> because you're not going to believe this. Rich Dalrymple sent me a picture of Gary Cobb with the flat top. And before I, before I post it, I got to send it to Gary to get the okay. <laughs> Holy cow, man. This these same old smile. He don't look any different. A little younger, of course, but that old flat top, man. Yeah, it's squared up, man. Well, and, and you know, there was a group. What was the name of that group? Uh, there was this guy. He wore his hair like that. They was, oh, you, you look Cameo. Like that. Cameo. That's right. Cameo. That's It was the cameo. That's right. <laughs> Every time Gary walked in the locker room, we're like, damn, man. Mr. Blackburn there. Mr. Blackwell, how you doing? That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, thank you, my friend. 17 right. days to training camp. It's right around the corner. I appreciate it. Getting it ready. You're getting it ready. Thank you so That's much. It. Don't forget, catch Gary Cobb, Fox 29 in Philadelphia. Also, hour number three, we're going to have Bobby Valentine. Please hit the like button. We'll reset everything. Some of the questions I want to throw at you. We'll do that next. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. 
United Healthcare. Football show, appreciate you coming aboard. Thank you. I, I, hey, I hate to do this, but someone's got to bring some, some sanity to this conversation. Why do you guys consistently talk about Daryl Morey like he's some sort of decent GM? Maybe one thing he's accomplished. One thing. One thing, one thing he's accomplished, one, one, that makes you confident he's going to turn the Sixers around. One building thing that he's done that makes you go, oh, yeah, no, I see the corner turning now in Philly. One thing in his Boston, Houston, Philly opportunities he's had he's worked in boston he's worked in houston and now he's worked in philly you guys make it sound like he's some sort of general manager that has done something more's a fraud tone says completely agree i think he's a bum i think he's a bum certain general managers tie themselves to certain stars, and they're defined by that. Get this. You may hate Jerry Krause, but he's tied to Michael Jordan. He's tied to Jordan. Jordan may hate it. And by the way, hey, Michael Jordan, Jerry Krause is a better general manager than you. All the shit you talked on him, no one attacks Michael Jordan. Jordan, you sucked as an executive. That guy was 10 times a better general manager than you, and you were wrong to criticize him. In the end, that guy's legacy is now enhanced more because without Jerry Krause, you don't win. All the moves he made were made to win a championship. You can hate him all you want, but you weren't doing shit for nine years before that guy got... The reins of general manager. Nothing. You were beaten consistently until that guy showed up. Found Pippen. Found Horace Grant. Was the guy that fired your boy and brought in Phil Jackson from the G League. Michael Jordan sucked. As an executive, Jerry Krause now is validated. All the thing, the only thing he sucked at 
was not letting that team get beat on the floor. Money beat them. Decision makings beat them because the Bulls have never been the same. But see, Krause, Krause was right. Look at general managers around. Look, look, look at some of the GMs that tied themselves to certain athletes. Belichick is kind of the pseudo general manager, tied himself to Brady. Bill Walsh tied himself to Montana. Do you know that there was actual conversation in 83 when Elway came out of Stanford and Montana had won the Super Bowl, I believe, a year earlier against the Bengals in Detroit. And there was a debate that Bill had, you know, Maybe we trade Montana to the Colts who are still in Baltimore, or I think it was to Denver. Somebody was working on the rights, and Walsh thought about it. Say we had a week of conversations, and in the end, I just thought Joe had more Super Bowls than Elway, and he had a couple more in him, and he was right. I'm not saying it would have been wrong. Who would have? thought seeing somebody like Elway with Bill Walsh, what that thing may have looked like, that may have been even better than what it was with Montana. I don't know. Okay? But can you can you imagine that? That, you know, you, you, you trade Joe Montana, who just won a Super Bowl MVP and was still young. But you were thinking, you go, you know, at the end, I'm going to stick with Joe. He was right. Maury's stuck with Harden the whole way. Stuck with Harden. And his career is defined by it. All right. Let me throw this at you here. Um, I asked asked Gary Cobb this question, and I'll ask you this question. Is Prescott the problem in Dallas? What did he have his birthday the other day? Had his 30th birthday. Is that right? Dak had his 30th birthday the other day. He's two and four in the postseason. Same as Romo. Is Dak the answer in Dallas or is Dak the problem in Dallas? Which is he? Or would you say he's a little of both? Um, you get caught in the middle here a little bit when you start talking about what's the alternative? What would Dallas do if they were to move off of Dak? What's the alternative? Could you get, hey, by the way, what's the value for him? Do you think you can get a first-round draft choice for Dak Prescott if you traded him in the offseason? I probably think you could. I think you could get a one, right? Probably get a one. Trade him to Miami. Doesn't work out in Chicago. Trade him to Chicago. I think you could. You could totally, and and you could totally get a one for him. I'll tell you what, I'd pay a one for him more than I would pay a one for Kyler Murray, and Kyler Murray would get a one. Now he's 30. Okay, Dak Prescott has put up 
really good. He's put up McNabb numbers. I told you I compared the numbers. They were pretty compatible. I mean, at 30 years old, you could probably get a one for McNabb. And the numbers uh, speak out that they were compatible with one another. Almost the same identical passing yards, completions, touchdowns, wins, all of that. And I would think you could probably get a one for Donovan at 30. Not a third rounder. Absolutely not. What are you, crazy? Look, your hatred for the Cowboys doesn't cloud the room when people look in the way they look at Prescott. It's not true. Hey, you know, you guys sit around sitting here saying how, how bad Kirk Cousins is. And Cousins in moments, obviously, in key moments, does not deliver the goods. However, before you start talking shit on Kirk Cousins, let your boy in Philly have a kind of year he's had in his career. He's never approached any kind of season throwing the football that Kirk Cousins has at any year of his career. All those 4,000 passing seasons, let's see, let's see your guy get there first. Let's see him get to 3,900 first. Okay? Well, well, well hey, well, Dosa, last year, Cousins had a superior year in passing the ball to your guy, Jalen Hurts. Superior. Okay? Through the more attempts, more completions, more passing yards. I mean, more touchdowns. I'm not saying, again, but first before you start talking about how bad he is, how about your guy have a year like him? Okay? And nobody's complaining up there in Minnesota right now, including Justin Jefferson. Yeah, 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 I would say that. Cousins and, I mean, look, Kirk Cousins has put up remarkable years. Um, Kirk Cousins' stats. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven of the last eight years, Cousins has thrown for 4,000 yards. Last year, 45... 47, 65, 9 completion percentage, 5, 643 in attempts, almost 200, 200 more attempts than Jalen. Year before that, 42, 21, 33 touchdowns and seven picks. This guy's put up enormous numbers, enormous. 37,000 passing yards already. I mean, this guy's going to put up Hall of Fame numbers. Now, does he have a Hall of Fame career? Doubtful. But he'll have Hall of Fame numbers. He'll When he's done, like after this year, he would have passed. He'll be at 43,000 yards after this year in his 11th year. His one loss record is 77 and 63. Not horrible. Minnesota, it's 46 and 33. Not terrible. Especially in today's NFL. Empty calorie stats. Empty calorie stats. Okay. Let's see your guy do it. 
I just said seven of the last eight years, this guy's been one of the elite passers in the game. Your guy's not been an elite passer in the game one year. One year. Not one time has Jalen Hurts been an elite passer. Not one time, and you're calling him elite, and you're calling that guy trash. One year, he hasn't been an elite passer in the NFL at all at any time in his career in the first three years. He doesn't have elite numbers. John, what's elite about Jalen Hurts' numbers last year? The, the, the picks? Well, he had far less attempts than any of the elite guys who throw the ball. And the reason I bring that up, because today's NFL is set up for throwing the ball. The rules are changing every year for the passer. That's why this is important. I didn't say greasy running. I said, name me one elite thing he's done passing the ball in his career. Okay? No, no, no. No, no. GI, that's that's not the question. That was not my take. My take is, he's not an elite passer. He's never had an elite passing season. 3,800 yards is not elite. Not in today's NFL. Yell bring, that's, I'm not saying that he doesn't bring the other dynamic of the best RPO running quarterback. We've broached this before. I'm talking when you say something about Dak and and Cousins, he's more in the modern NFL quarterback than what Jalen does. Now, I will agree with uh, Bruce Arians and a lot of coaches like Tony Dungy that have been on our program. The dual threat guy's coming. And I don't know if you're going to be able to find a lot of guys like Jalen because in college, I don't see a lot of these guys. And the health factor. But as a passer, the game is changing for passing. Passing the ball. This is why he's not promoted. The National Football League doesn't promote Jalen because he's not an elite thrower of the football. Okay? James goes, Dak is a regular season guy. That whole organization, James, is that. The Dallas Cowboys in the last 20 years don't win big games. Okay, Jalen Hurts didn't lead one of the critical passing statistics in the NFL last year. Attempts, completions, yards, percentage, touchdowns, didn't lead any, quarterback rating, didn't lead any of those. That's why he's not promoted as a face of the league as a passer. And you go, well, they gave him, hey, they gave him 255? They gave the guy in Arizona 46-1. People make mistakes. And I'm not saying Jalen is. I am not. Pocket passing. Well, when you have the least amount of attempts of any of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL, those percentages are going to be high. And the stiff defenses you played a year ago, sure, Sure, whatever. You can make an elephant. You can make 
it sounded like somebody could hold an elephant from falling off a cliff by just holding its tail. If you put some sort of psychotic math to it. Okay. Whatever. This percentage of passing in the pocket, if he's just, yeah, okay, guy. When I watch that guy versus those elite guys, it's not close. He's not a, he's not a passer like Cousins or Dak. He has to do other things to win games. It's okay. Okay. I haven't changed the goalpost. Once again, it's who he is. You clearly are just talking numbers. Well, that's how they're paid also. Like I said, Jalen Hurts has not had an elite passing season yet. Okay? 3,800 yards. I've seen Blake Bortles throw for that. By the way, like I said, Geno Smith threw for more yards and touchdowns. Dude, stop doing this. And making it trying to sound like he's some sort of elite passer. He's getting better at it. (laughs) I mean it. He's getting better. Okay? All right. Bobby V. 530 Eastern. I want to ask you this question that I asked Gary Cobb, and we're going to do that here in a minute. Um, Please hit the like button. I don't know if it matters or not, but Hertz was top five in QBR and passer rating. So when, when you watch the passers tone in the NFL, you think he's in line with the guys who throw the ball 650 times a game or a year. The guy throws the ball 425 times. Or Mahomes throws the ball 700 times. You think that those percentages would be that high if he threw the ball seven, 800 times? I don't. This guy, he doesn't have to because he is able to run the ball and they're able to run the ball. Okay? He throws the ball 425 times a year. Patrick Mahomes throws the ball 700 times a year. It's night and day. Obviously, you're going to have more turnover opportunities when you throw the ball two to one. Okay? That's right. Hour number three. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island so leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods
Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. No more sports division now at the New York Times. They've outsourced it to The Athletic. Shows you what the internet is now officially doing to sports media. It's single-handedly destroying radio, and it's destroying print media. Thank God. I love it. I love it. For years and years and years, the mouthpieces of what people thought athletes said and coaches said used to come from the preposterous takes of people that covered teams. This is what he meant. I am so grateful for social media in the light of I don't have to hear a translation like I'm at the UN for a particular athlete and have to have my, my take of, say, Mike Schmidt through a inquirer's process of him covering the team. That's not getting it from the horse's mouth. And this is why the media hates social media. They hate it because it's taking their jobs away because they get to tell you and feed your heads with all kinds of bullshit. And the New York Times is not... Notorious for this. Sports writers today are not sports writers of the past who covered the game. Sports writers today are op-ed guys who put a twist of their takes on how they see the team through the athletes' takes and eyes. That's not covering a guy. Those are opinions of how you think he, he sees the game. I don't want to hear his takes. I don't give a shit about, you know, sports writers to me, most of them have no place in sports, not in today's sports world. Why? Who gives a shit what your take is? I like people with opinions. I like people that call themselves um, talk show hosts, op-ed guys, people who have opinions. They get those opinions challenged. I like those guys. You don't have to be a journalist for that. Journalism, it's yellow journalism. How many times do you cover a sport and you hear a guy cover an athlete and you go like this? That's not fair coverage. Very rare do you get that. There's very few people that give people their due. Okay? 
I don't. You need serious journalists to keep things straight. Like who? Who in sports is a, is a is a who in sports? What comes to your mind, Yale? With that take, that you have to have a serious journalist. Who? Who in sports today covers sports the way it used to be covered when you had the Dick Youngs of the world? And you had guys like that that saw the games, the Bill Maddens. Okay? Like who? I don't see any Bill Maddens out there. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't see any of those guys. Paul Zimmerman. I don't see Paul Zimmerman. Shit, I don't even... Um, the guy who covers for NBC, Peter King. Peter King is is a journalist. I, I like Peter King because Peter King kind of gives you, this is who the Giants are. Okay? No comment on Jeff McClain. We'll leave it there. Cosell was the greatest person when it came to having an opinion. Cosell told you his opinion on it, guys. And his take on things. He wasn't a journalist. If he thought a guy sucked or a guy was being rudely, he was the guy that was defending Muhammad Ali. But you see, when you're a guy that defends Muhammad Ali and you slip up and say monkeys, they'll call you a racist. When Ali was the biggest supporter of minority athletes in journalism history, but because there was such a hatred in his own business for him, that's why he got ran out of the business. His own business. When he said, look at that little monkey run, nobody in their wildest imagination ever thought he meant that in any sort of racist way. You know why? This was the only man back in the 60s defending Ali. He was the only one calling Muhammad Ali Muhammad Ali when everyone else was calling him Cassius Clay. Even the black boxers. Okay? Even the black boxers wouldn't do it. But Ali was called Ali by Cosell because he had a right, because he thought that was his religious belief and his religious freedom. Okay, but people in the industry are the ones that ran him out. Was it the fans? Totally. It's always good to have all types of media. Yeah, I'm, I'm an opinionist. Observationist is what I like to call it. Twiz, I like to call observation as I observe something and I give you my take on it. That's kind of, that's how I've always looked at myself. Journalism. And you know what's crazy? I went to school at the University of Miami for journalism. <laughs> that's my degree at Miami is journalism. Isn't that crazy? Hey, Tony, you probably didn't know that. My degree at Miami is journalism. Communications. It is. And I never and I never subscribed to it. Because you know what we were taught? Greasy, you know what we were taught? Never become part of the story. But how many of the writers now put themselves in the story so that the story they cover it enhances their takes and clicks? Thought it was public speaking? Eh, it's almost the same thing. All right. Before we get Bobby Valentine on. At the bottom of the hour, I'm going to ask you this question. Do you think this football team, the Philadelphia Eagles, who report to training camp, 
and 17 days could be better than they were a year ago. You were taught nothing. Miami gave you the credits. No, no, no. They gave me the degree. I earned the credits. Okay? I earned the credits. But they gave me the degree. Tony, did you ever hear this story how I got my degree? Here, let me let me stop you here. Hold on here. So we're going to ask this question. I got to tell the story because I don't think Tone heard this. So I could not pass the statistics to save my life. I took it four years in college, man, five years in college. I could not for the life of me pass statistics. I went to the class. It's the only class I went to every single day. I could not do it. I could not get statistics i failed this thing every year had to go to summer school to make up my gp every year i failed senior year comes around i need to pass this class okay i need to pass this class to get my degree so jimmy sets it up for me i go see the teacher teacher was cool he tried to help me i just couldn't get it tone you're gonna like this so Guy goes like this. After class, he goes, all right, show up to my ranch. Better wear shorts. It's going to be hot. Better wear a T-shirt and be ready. Now, I went like this. I, I went to my coaches. I go, hey, look, man, I really want this degree, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I, I'm not doing anything stupid here to get my, my degree here. Hey, I'm not doing anything stupid here. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not chugging on the cannoli here or anything just so I could get it. That's not going to, that's not going to work. So it's not going to work here. Do something strange for a little bit. Hold on, hold on, Tone. So I get out there and he goes, I go like this to him. Hey, look, man. I'm not going to do anything stupid to get a degree here. Don't think I, I, it's not what I'm, he goes, relax. He gave me a bucket of paint and I had to paint this guy's fence. And dude, it was a horse ranch and I had to do one side and it's 98 degree humidity and it's 99 degree temperature. I'm painting this guy's fence all freaking weekend. I get the inside. Sure enough, man, he comes out a couple spots. I'm out there. I slept in the barn. I'm I'm painting this fence. And he goes like this. Good job. You didn't get a lot on the ground, too. He goes, I'll give you a C. I go, a C? Holy shit. He goes, hey. You know what you got on your final in your blue book? I go, what? He goes, a 48. I went like this. Okay, I'll take the seat. <laughs> he goes, hey, you got a 48 in your blue book. All right, I'll take the seat. I walk in there, man. I had pain on me, man. I'm going to camp. I'm going. I have to show up to like uh, winter workouts and shit. I'm at winter workouts, man. 
Yeah, but I thought the guy was going to have me uh, go down to the cannoli, man, and that was not going to work. I was like, that's not going to happen, man. But, you know, so don't, I painted a fence to get my uh, communications degree. <laughs> uh, maybe that's why I got such an ass with sports reporters because I had to I had to paint a fence. Danny Ward, <laughs> dude, yeah, but no, you don't understand how hot it was. Dude, you don't understand. Not going on to cannoli, bro. It's not going to happen. It's no way. Now, I mean, I, I don't care what it is. There's very, there's, I don't know. I'm not going to say anything else, but show up in shorts in a, in a guinea tea. I was like, no, you know, I'm not doing anything stupid here. I'm, you know, I got my reputation to hold up in my physique and my looks and my figure. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going there. That's not going to happen. Shut up. Paint the fence. Dude, I, there was a barn out there, and I thought I was going to have to paint the barn. You know, but I was exhausted. I, I said, you know, maybe if I painted the barn, I'd have got a B. Oh, he wanted you to show up Howie knee pads. I think he wanted to scare me, though. Because, you know, I guess he goes, hey, wear shorts in a t-shirt and i went no 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 i called my grandpa my grandfather goes well you want your degree or not i go i'm not doing anything stupid here i may have said some other things i go but i'm not i'm not i don't know man i so when i went out there man i i went out there with a with a duck walk I was out there all tight. Sphinxer muscle was tight as hell. I'm like this. Ain't nothing. I tell you what, man, nothing's working here. Getting ready to run if I have to. No way. Daisy Dukes, right, Dank? How was, hey, <laughs> I wore these coat, coat. Dude, I made sure they were long. Hey, you would have thought I was playing for the Bulls. I was like, yeah, long shorts. I was like, no, this ain't happening here. Still's got more pain on him than the fence. True. Okay. You passed. <laughs> yeah. I was afraid. I did. I showed up and I'm like, he goes, so you're ready? And I go, ready for what? <laughs> hey, just like this too. Look, ready for what? He goes, you're going to paint the fence. I said, damn, maybe I should. <laughs> maybe. Hey. Dude, as hard as defense painting was, you know, you look back on it, maybe you should have went, yeah, I don't know, you know, maybe the cannoli, I don't know. I, you know, it could have been a thought. Okay? Could have been, hey, it would have saved me a lot of pain, I'll tell you that. So you, hey, hey, Tone, just like that. So you ready? Uh, no, 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 no. I got my degree, though. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but Barb, if I would have had to do anything on the cannoli, I might have had to kill the guy. <laughs> Left no traces, man, because I couldn't have a guy like that walking around the earth knowing you did that. Sounds the beginning of the casting couch. No, I got my degree. How'd you get your degree? Well, I had a painted guy's fence. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. Well, there was some innuendos that I didn't take kindly to, but you're really good looking. 
I felt like I was in between two ferns with Galifianakis. You know, you're really good looking. What am I here doing? <laughs> in between two ferns. Bobby V's coming up. All right, let me let me get back to the question here. How many people believe in here that the Eagles could be better than they were a year ago? I bet Tone does. That sounds real shady, Sills. How did you get your degree? Well, I had to paint a guy's fence. <laughs> I couldn't pass statistics. What do you want from me? I couldn't pass statistics. I had every day. I had, I had all my requirements done except one. I could not get statistics. Dude, my connections are better, as you can notice. Um, the offense will be better, but not the defense. Do you, Wait a minute. John says better's bold. Do you think this team could be better than a year ago? It's funny. We just got through talking about Jalen, and you guys are going to go in on me again because I think you're going to be shocked. Tone, do you think they could be better than they were a year ago, the Eagles? Ben says no. They can be. Last year was an all-time great Eagle team. If this team wins a ring, that's the only way they can surpass last year's team. You painted a vivid picture, Sills. No, I didn't. <laughs> you should have saw my face. I was afraid. Okay? Offense can be better. Defense has to prove it. Too many unknowns. Okay. Is it possible that this offense can carry the defense? Is it possible that they could carry them? And have we ever seen that before where an offense carried a defense? We have. How many years in New England have we seen Tom Brady at the back end of that dynasty carry those Patriot defenses that weren't highly rated but still ended up getting to a conference championship game. And if we're saying that the NFL today is more about offense than defense, doesn't Hugh Douglas say this all the time on WIP? You don't have to have an elite defense any longer. You have to have elite. And Tone said, Tone, you said this to me a few months ago. You have to have elite guys at premium positions. And do the Eagles have elite guys? At premium positions, they do. Edge rusher, corners. And they're working on it in tackles with the D tackles. Offense will be able to carry them so far. At some point, your defense will have to get a stop. If this Eagles defense can master getting key stops at key moments, they'll be fine. Know this, too. You could possibly be between an 11 and 12-win team. And I could possibly say this to you. You're better than the 14-win team of a year ago. Tougher competition, better quarterbacks, 
better coordinators, better play-calling head coaches are involved this year. And Jalen got better. And the defense did enough. To me, in my opinion, for them to be as good as last year, guys, it's not about the record. It's about getting as far. If they get to the NFC title game with 11 wins, who gives a shit? If it's 11 or 14, get home field advantage. Get to the NFC title game. Nobody's going to sit here and do this if the Eagles are an 11-win team. And they're 11 and 6. Let's just hypothetically, injuries, you don't know. Say they're 11 and 6. They get home field advantage. They win the NFC. They're back in the Super Bowl. No one's going to look at it any other way than go like this. This team overachieved compared to what last year's team was, and they were just as good. Nobody looks at that 14-win team a year ago and goes, that was an outstanding record that they put up. I think that was an outstanding roster that they had. I personally think, in my opinion, that's the be- would, would we not agree? Would we not agree with this? That last year's roster is the best roster that the Philadelphia Eagles have had in the Super Bowl era. Now, it didn't accomplish what the 17 team did. Okay. And you got to remember, the 17 team, they were going against Brady. The elite player of that position. This is the best roster that the Eagles have ever put together. And you know what's funny? Sometimes after the fact, like last year, last year's disappointing finish. See, what was crazy was how the Eagles' last three games panned out. The Eagles didn't have to rely on their quarterback to win the conference or the divisional game. They didn't have to rely on him because they were so dominant. In the AFC, you don't get that affordability. If Jalen Hurts plays like he did in the divisional game in the AFC, he gets beat. Okay? And I think you'll have that affordability this year, too. Until San Francisco shows me. And get this, you know what's crazy about San Francisco? San Francisco on July 10th, no word still on the quarterback scenario there. How haven't you called Wentz or somebody as a security blanket in case something goes sideways? It's Sam Darn. So if Sam Darnold gets hurt in week one and Purdy's not ready or Purdy's hurt or Purdy stumbles, how's that? How's that? How are you not ready? The biggest mistakes that organizations make, you're not ready. You, you can't tell me you're ready on July 10th right now. You just can't. All right. Folks, I want you to do me a favor. See this book? Here is Bobby Valentine's book right here, Valentine's Way. And I will tell you this. One of the greatest athletes in New England and Bobby V., is a legend in my neck of the woods. We kind of have a Connecticut connection here because earlier in the program, at 4.30, we had Gary Cobb on, former manager of the New York Mets. Here is Bobby Valentine. Bobby, Yeah, hey. How are you, Dan? How you doing? I'm, I'm in a car, and uh, I'm Get trying your food. to... Uh, <laughs> 
Get your food, Bobby. You're at the airport because I got a press for ticket. Here's a ticket. Oh, boy. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to park, and then I'm going to do this uh, show with you because I wasn't sure we were going to do it or not. You know what I mean? Good to see Absolutely. you, Absolutely. No, Bobby, listen. Thank you for the book. Um, the book has been awesome. I love the pictures in the book. I mean, all <laughs> Hey, of course, Bobby. I like the pictures. You like the pictures. I like it, Dan. That's a good Stanford education Thank coming you for, hey, right there. Yeah. Hey, 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 Bobby. Okay, right when you park here, there's a picture of you and Robustelli. Look what I got from the family. How spectacular is that? Look at this, Bobby. I'm looking, bro. How'd you get that? The brother gave me his um, NFL New York Giant induction jersey to the um to the giants ring of honor we're distantly related andy and i and so they gave me this jersey isn't that spectacular i just gave i had one of those hanging in my restaurant for 38 years signed by andy and i just sent it to the uh, patriarch now of the of the family rick robustelli is my good friend and he has it now in the uh, family archives. Talk about the book, Bobby. Why, why the book now in your, in your time? Why did you come out with the book? Well, it was time. It was during COVID, you know? I wasn't doing anything. The guy, Golenbach, uh, contacted me. He lived in Stanford for quite a while, then New Canaan. And he said, why don't we do a book? And I said, what's it going to take? He says, uh, I'm going to call you on the phone. You're going to talk a while. I'll transcribe it and we'll, book, we'll make a book. And I said, you got it. So we went up to like uh, my time with Sacred Heart University. So um, it's pretty cool. There's great stories in there. There's a lot of reveal. And um, uh, the book's doing great. Thanks for putting it out there. Have all your people buy the book, Dan. Amazon. Yeah, Q&A at the end of the, at the, end of the uh, session here. I mean, let me let me do this to you too, Bobby. What did you enjoy more? Playing, managing, athletic director, being in politics, or is it the, all the journey that you put that you really enjoyed in your life? Because you've had a very special life. Well, I hope it's not over, Dan. And uh, you know, I'm doing a lot of stuff yet. I'm with the uh, LA Angels now. I'm doing some TV here. Uh, you know, my best friend's son is the general manager. We're hoping to turn things around in the second half and get healthy. Uh, you know, I did that restaurant business for 38 years. I probably served you a few beers in your day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I really enjoyed doing that and talking to the customers. And I have a film company. And then I'm enjoying a lot with there. So, yeah, it's all still going. But what to answer your question, I enjoyed playing when I, hell, when I was healthy, um, you know, playing was the most fun thing I ever did in my life. For the rest of the rest of the time, waiting on tables and uh, being a manager and uh, being an AD, that's all taking care of other people, you know. But when you're playing, you're taking care of yourself. And that's always fun. One of the greatest moments in my life with Bobby Valentine, he won't remember this, but Mickey Leone had him come and pitch batting practice to me. I was a sophomore at Catholic High. And Bobby, I believe you were, it was your last year with the Mariners. And right before you got into managing, this was like early 80, 80 79. Yeah, I was coaching with the Mets at the time. I was a third base coach for the Mets. Yeah. You were you came in and you came to me and you go, you got to go up to the Cape Cod League. So I went up to the Cape Cod League and you and Mickey Leone had me. And I'll never forget, Roger Haggerty was with us. And 
we're all sitting there. You're throwing batting practice to me, and you go, if you want to do this, you can do it. So I, you know, I played a little ball at Miami University, of Miami, for uh, Ron Frazier when I was down there playing ball too. But he was like, "This, you're never as good as your guy, Bobby V." I said, "Okay, Bobby, do you like the game and where baseball is today?" You know, um, I don't know if the jury's still out. I love the game. Um, uh, don't get me wrong. Where it is today, I'm not sure where it is today. You know, all the regional sports networks are uh, kind of going bust. Uh, MLB is going to take it over. They talk about internationalizing the game. They're not doing anything to do that. Um, you know, the speed-up stuff is great if you're watching it, I guess, because you don't have to spend a whole lot of your time. But, uh, you know, we're, we're making the game better, but we're not making the players better. And I think you know, taking care of the players, letting the players be themselves, you know, let, you know, giving them a little character, getting in the box for 15 seconds and running out of the box for 15 seconds doesn't give uh, much time for anyone to be anything other than kind of a robot. But so you think uh, the pitch like, clock, like Bobby, quicker. <laughs> you think the pitch clock is taking personality out of the game? Sure, of course. Yeah, it's taken everything away from the batter pitcher confrontation and and uh, the ability to to be yourself. But it got out of hand. There's no doubt that you know once Ricky stole his uh, whatever base it was and he decided that the camera was on him and it should be on him. I think things started getting out of line and uh, no one put it back in place. So they needed to have a machine do it. You know, and I'm not big on the machine stuff. Except for I'd love to see a machine balls and strikes uh, behind the plate because the most unfair thing that we have going in the game is to tell everyone how unfair the game is by letting balls be called strikes and strikes be called balls. You managed in Japan. Are you shocked what you're seeing with Shohei Otani? Has nothing to do with me managing in Japan. I mean, they're great players in Japan, and more of them are getting acclimated to playing here, which is a cool thing. Um, but you know, he he could be from uh, the Congo and he would be different. He's he's the most special uh, athlete, most special baseball player to ever play the game of baseball. The reason I say that, Bobby, should, do you think we'll see more um, Japanese players coming into Major League Baseball? We have seen a, a lot more over the last five or six years, but do you think that the game over there, because like in basketball, Bobby, Look at the National Basketball. You see a lot of national players now in the NBA. Do you think that that's going to be more where we'll start to see some of the players from Japan over in America? Well, there's plenty of them here, you know. Uh, Yoshida's here, and, and uh, you know, there's enough of them here. I wish they would stay there and keep their league strong. Understand, uh, that's uh, the, the capital of baseball. That's where – the country where baseball is number one in the country, where it's uh, viewed by everyone, where, you know, they get 40000 a game and they don't boo anyone. They love the game as it is. And, uh, you know, when you keep taking away their best players, it, um, it, it, it might become the Negro League someday and, and not be uh, in existence anymore. And I wouldn't like to see that. Uh, you know, they, they should internationalize the game get a division of baseball in Asia. That doesn't mean they're flying back and forth every weekend to play in Asia. They play there. That Those uh, teams play there. They're international players. They're MLB franchises. And then the two winners, if there's two divisions, 
come here and play in the playoffs, just like the uh, American League, you know, whatever it is in, in the central division that one of those teams has to make the the uh, playoffs. I guarantee you the winner from Asia would be better than a team from the central leagues of uh, MLB. couple last questions for you, Bobby V. Um, Bobby, the Mets, what's different from a year ago to today on why you see – Buck Showalter was manager of the year. Just, they must have been lucky last year. I don't think they had a great deal of talent. You know, they won a lot of games with that they, that they probably shouldn't have won because, um, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't think it's a, it's a kind of team that is constructed to win. Um, you know, just, just my opinion. I like Alonzo, and I like, uh, you know, their, their catcher, uh, Alvarez, seems to be um, – is it Alvarez? Um, their, their catcher seems really good. But, again, I'm on the West Coast, not, not following the Mets that closely – it just, uh, you know, you talk, you talk to other people and other teams, and they're wondering why everyone thought the Mets were going to be so good this year. You know, do you, do, do you put it at the heels of Verlander and Scherzer that, you know, that they overpaid Bobby? I mean, it, here, here, here they are here. If they, less, if they paid less for two pitchers and they were performing the same, the record would be the same. You know, uh, I, I don't know. They were just, they're just two pitchers. They were going to take up. You know, 60 of their 162 games or so where they were going to start, um, they still had to deal with that other 102 games. And, um, you know, again, go around the diamond and figure out which one of those guys could play on the Atlanta Braves. And uh, I, I think you'll go, hmm, I'm not sure many of them could. That's a great comment. Finally, Bobby, you managed in the All-Star game. And I had Pete Rose on the other day, and I said this to him. Do you think interleague play has diminished that game? Because, you know, it used to be, Bobby, when when I, we were growing up, I didn't see Pete Rose in an American League ballpark, and I didn't see any of that. Do you think that that's taken a little bit away from that game, the interleague play? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's taken everything away, and it shouldn't be considered a, a big deal. Um you know, the guys aren't going to take it seriously. They're going to, you know, make it an exhibition. Pitchers are going to strike, try to strike guys out. Hitters are going to try to hit home runs. Uh, big deal, that's not a game, uh, even though some teams play that way. Um, and, and there's no, you know, the, what's what's the value of winning or losing? Uh, you know, the, I think they should give $100,000 to everyone on the winning team to give to their favorite charity, you know, and um, – you know, take that uh, three, four million dollars that they could sell one ad and, and get the money back and have guys who want to give money to their charity play in the game. And then you might have some people really trying to win because it might mean something. Right now, it means nothing. Folks, make sure you go to Amazon. Valentine's Way. Absolutely incredible read. Bobby's life has been a journey like no other. And, Dan, one thing you said, I managed in the All-Star game. It was in Seattle the last time Seattle was in uh, or had the All-Star game. And uh, that was 2001. That was Cal Ripken's last uh, home run in the All-Star game, his last All-Star game, all that. But it was also the only time that Tommy Lasorda and I were in uniform together in the big leagues. And uh, it was a special day for me, especially when that bat came down and almost hit him in the head and killed him. So, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> That's right. Seattle was your last stop in your pro, uh, pro playing career. 
Bobby, That's thank it. you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Have a great flight. Okay, Dan, take care of yourself. Thanks a lot. See you. Ya. Good luck. Great Bobby Valentine. Do me a favor, folks. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Should I play baseball or should I have played football? My wife always asks me that question. The Mets were going to draft me. Bobby Valentine, by the way, I think was the fifth pick. In the first round by the Mets? No, Dodgers. Dodgers drafted him the fifth pick in the draft. I believe because he played at Southern Cal. Holy cow, I forgot. Bobby Valentine and Gary Cobb both played at Southern Cal, and they were both on today. I like it. 
Yeah, Bobby V was the fifth pick in the draft for the Dodgers. And he came and pitched batting practice to me. And he was the third base coach. And he's throwing, it was about 20 minutes of batting practice. And I'm hitting these monster shots at a Cubetta stadium. I'm hitting them over right tech. I'm hitting big shots. And I was a big kid, of course. And I was a catcher, as you can imagine. And I had a great arm. I went to show me baseball camp, Charlie Lau. I went to Duffy Bass's camp in Normal, um, Illinois. I went all over. the. I went to Alaska. I went everywhere. And my sophomore year, I, Bobby comes in and pitches to me. So they bring me in to uh, Queens. And I talk to Davey Johnson. And they're sitting there and they go, hey, do you want to go up to the Cape Cod League? And as we were just talking with Bobby V, so I go up there to the Cape Cod League. And I'm sitting there. And I think we played like 40 games. And I think I hit like 286, had like 10 homers or something. It was like 40 games or something. I, I did very well. And then the, the Mets, then the Mets and the Pirates, the Mets, the Pirates, and the Expos were were interested in me. And they they flew. I, I, I had all kinds of meetings with them. And then I had to determine whether or not I was going to play. Um, I, I was going to play baseball or football. So I tried, hey, and so, hey, Yale, so you know, I tried to get it over on Jimmy. I was really good. So I had Bobby V actually call Jimmy Johnson. Now the, the Mets, the Mets were going to draft him, but he took the scholarship instead to football. So I go down and Ron Frazier, Ron Frazier, you don't, you guys may not know who he is. Ron Frazier, um, uh, Ron Frazier was the head baseball coach at the University of Miami. He had won three national titles. And so Jerome was a really great baseball player, too, up in Brooksville. So he and I go over and we take batting practice. And Ron's throwing batting practice. We're hitting bombs over the Heck Center. And D he goes, you guys want to play? You guys could be. We would have been on the 85 national title team. and But the, here was the key. We had to miss spring practice. So we walk in, man, and we go like this to Jimmy. And Ron goes, make sure you tell Jimmy Johnson to call me. And we, hey, we walked in and I go, coach, you're not going to believe it. Ron Frazier wants me to play on his, his hurricane baseball team. Jerome said to say, yeah, coach. He goes, you two guys just want to get out of spring ball. That's not going to happen. I went, oh, shit. I forgot. No wonder Ron Frazier laughed his ass off. He knew, man. You could ask my aunt. I was a phenomenal baseball player. I mean, I thought I was going to play pro baseball. I, dude, I, I could have easily been drafted. And hey, I forgot. Ron goes like this. Look, these guys are good, man. And I checked on Bobby Valentine, the Mets, and the Expos. Celia was a high prospect. I mean, they, they, he, he would have went in the top three rounds. Jerome would have went in the top three rounds. We had a bunch of guys like that. Vinny Testaverde, I think, did get drafted. And so, yeah, man, I, I forgot about And I was so excited. Oh, my God, I'm going to play ball for the University of Miami. I would have won a national title in baseball and football. And so I'm like, yeah, yeah. 
He goes, you're not getting out of spring ball. Shit, man. Jimmy said, no, you two guys ain't getting out of spring ball. Don't, you two guys need all the freaking practice you guys can get. I was like, shit, man. All right. I guess so. Dude, I was so deflated because you should have seen me like a kid. Hey, I made the Miami baseball team. Ron Frazier told you that? He goes, yeah. He goes, yeah, he told you that because he knew I wasn't going to let you do it. <laughs> Forget Big Papa. It's all about MLB made good money. Hey, Barb, not only that, here's the, here's the difference. In Major League Baseball, here's the difference in, in uh, pensions. You only need to be active one game as a Major League Baseball player. One game, and you get a pension. If you make it to the majors, you get a pension. One game. NFL, you have to play four years to get a pension. Pro ball, you got to play four years. <laughs> yep. MLB, unbelievable pension. All benefits are taken care of. So if you make it to the big club, um, there's a chance you're gonna you're gonna have a lifetime pension. Hey, Kenneth, Dion was a great baseball player. He played at Florida State too, man. He was great at FSU. Absolutely, he was great. Bo, hey, Bo Jackson was great. Bo was a great baseball player at Auburn. Do you, you know Frank Thomas and him played on the same Auburn baseball team? Can you imagine you had Frank Thomas? Charles Barkley and Bo Jackson all at Auburn at the same time. Right? All right. Hey, this is this has got to be one of the coolest compliments I've ever seen a star player make about a player. And he's one of your Eagle guys. So Richard Sherman made a comment about Devontae Smith. And it said that one of the reasons why I knew it was time for me to leave is when I knew I couldn't cover guys like Devontae Smith anymore. That's quite a compliment. Richard Sherman's going to be considered for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Okay? He's going to be considered for the Hall of Fame. There, there's an argument that he, he could make it, especially if he stays in the media. But for him to come out and give such high praise to Devontae Smith, it's another feather in the kid's cap and to where a lot of people believe that he's the most technically sound wide receiver that's on the Eagles right now. A.J. Brown is brute force. And Devontae Smith is like Marvin Harrison. Okay? He's like Marvin Harrison, tremendous route runner, great hands. And I'll tell you what, have you not been surprised by this with Devontae? Tone, everyone, have you not been surprised? His durability. His durability has surprised me. I've been, I, I, I've been surprised. I've seen guys with that, that type of build not be 
not, not, not be able to handle the pounding. AJ's the hammer, Smith is the screwdriver. It's such a different way of covering those type of, type of players, too. I mean, and he's taken some major hits in the NFL over the past two years. He has. I, I, I've been pleasantly surprised. But then again, you know, I said that one of the things that when he came out of Alabama, I thought that'd be an issue. But you know what I didn't weigh into? Sills, the same people that are hitting him now were the same people that were hitting him when he was in the Southeastern Conference. Many of the players that he plays against were in the SEC, and he took all that hitting in the Southeastern Conference. See, to me, that's what prepares those SEC wide receivers better than any other conference. Why? Because the best corners play in the SEC. They don't play in the Pac-12, and they clearly don't play in the Big Ten. They play in the Southeastern Conference. And when you're playing against guys that are going to line up against you on Sundays and you've had success against them, confidence and your durability shouldn't be questioned. Smitty is slight in build, but he's very dense and compact. He is. He is. He, he's, I'll tell you what about Devontae Smith. He's surprisingly durable. Okay? He's surprisingly durable. Yeah, you know, I, I would say this, Dosum. Anytime you get a wide receiver from the Southeastern Conference, even if he's built with a slight build like Smith, I would still do this. Well, those guys play against the elite guys who are going to be lining up on Sundays at the corner position. I mean, this is the same guy that played against Patrick Sertan in practice all the time, right? I mean, he played against that guy every single day in practice. And I can guarantee you those were... Those were tough practices. And when you're lining up with guys like that and lining up each and every single day, it makes you better. So I thought that was a heck of a comment that he made there. Um, I also want to throw this out here, too. This is some NFL news here. Who brought up Corey Dillon a couple um, shows ago? And I said, Corey Dillon is a bum. Who brought him up? Is there anybody watching the show right now who brought up Corey Dillon? I think I was talking about something with Brady and the Patriots. I couldn't have been more wrong. Would it shock you that this guy's almost got 12,000 rushing yards in the NFL? 12, he's got more rushing yards than OJ. He's got more rushing yards than Edger and James. Corey Dillon's got 11 thousand like 500 what is it he's got like eleven thousand plus rushing yards and he's like almost like nine thousand rushing yards in bengal history and the bengals won't retire his number because of some of the off the field issues that he's had my point is is that i never realized that Corey dillon was that good a back and you're right guys 12,000 rushing yards, a Super Bowl win. Dude, how that guy's never been commented on or talked about for the Hall of Fame, it's because people don't like him and his attitude. That guy's had a hell of a career. I'm actually stunned when I looked up the numbers. I couldn't believe it. I mean, 
Who thought he was a 12,000-yard rushing guy? He's the Bengals' all-time leading rusher. Corey Dillon stats. Dank, 11,241 with 89 touchdowns. I'm wrong. I thought... 1435, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Seven of his first eight years, he rushed for 1,000. In 2004 in New England, he went for 1635 and 12 touchdowns. He had 43 catches one year, 52 catch. This guy's a good ball player. I'm actually shocked that he was that he was that good, and he's now bitching because the uh, the Bengals are having like uh, somebody inducted into the Hall of Fame, and he's like, "Why ain't I in the Hall of Fame?" And he's right. Okay, he should be. You know, I I, I want to hit this topic too. Are you guys following this Pat Fitzgerald story? Um. I guess there was some hazing going on at Northwestern. Last year, they had one win. And I guess Pat Fitzgerald, the head football coach at Northwestern, has been suspended because of this hazing ritual that they have at Northwestern. Um, and the head coach, they say, is accountable and responsible for his program. This goes back to the Joe Paterno stuff. You think a head football coach is responsible for – Something like this, that if his players are hazing younger players, that he's responsible for that. Is a head coach, college head coach, responsible for that? Um, I think it's stupid. I, th I think that shit there. Is counterproductive. We never had any of that stuff at Miami. If he knew about it, yes. Mateo, we never did any of that. Our indoctrination was out playing and scrimmaging and playing football. We didn't do any of that. We had, you know why? Jimmy thought it was insulting to African-American players if any hazing went on at all. He felt that they had gone through enough just being black, that they didn't need any of that. And it was frowned upon. Nobody could do that at that program. You're a poor kid. You're a black kid. He, he frowned on that. And he'd run you out of there. He would never have any of that. Okay? None of that. It was nothing about hazing and there, none of that stuff ever happened at University of Miami. Not with that guy. Okay. Northwestern. I would expect it there. You know why? It's a dorky school. Okay. Traditions. How about a tradition of winning? I'm not going to Northwestern if I'm a football player to be a Rhodes Scholar. I'm going to play football, 
Okay. Just like a doctor goes to Harvard or Yale or a lawyer goes to Dartmouth. I go to these programs because I'm looking to be a specialized person in my field. And to sit around and do that bullshit, you bet. Pat Fitzgerald should be fired for that shit. Don't let that shit go on in your program, bro. Every coach is accountable for his players and his players' actions, whether you're there or not. You know why? It's the kind of kid you bring into your program. No wonder you win one game. I think he's a good coach, too. He's up for the bear job two years ago. Anyway, appreciate Bobby V coming aboard. I hope to get Seth Joyner on tomorrow, so be looking forward to that. We'll get a classroom with our guy, Seth Joyner. Xander, Big Joe, thank you. Tone, man, he's been pretty busy lately, man. He he he's he's now in the well. I'm going to leave it alone because I'm not I'm not sure I'm supposed to give out any kind of information like this. All I know is this: Hi, we'll, we'll see y'all on the other side there, and we'll make sure that we catch you all out there. Remember three to six, and we'll we'll catch you on the flip side. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.